does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Wake up call, KB and Andy. James Boyd hanging out with us. He's got his Butler sweatshirt on. Not so good last night for Thad Mata. We can dive into that. But obviously, it is Colts week here on The Fan. Stephen Holder going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, down at Gamebridge tonight. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the Bucks are back in town. Did you know that, James? The Bucks. You need to get down there for that one. Get yourself a press I, pass man, for that one. I feel like I need to be in there, right? Just I, to make sure I keep track of the game ball. <laughs> I keep track of the chippy fouls between Bobby Paul. Portis and Isaiah Jackson and other people, so it should be fireworks again, I'm sure. Yeah, I want you, you're, you're a smaller guy, I want you to stay out of Bobby Portis's way uh, if you go oh. down there tonight. Andy, I am very diplomatic. <laughs> Do you see how I look? I am very reasonable when it comes to arguments and fights. Tony <laughs> East will join us uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. Mark Dykton producing today's effort, so uh, happy to have you in. Again, Stephen Holder going to join us. Uh, we'll talk a lot of Colts with him, and that is, you know, that is the story as we continue, as we get one day closer. I know you were out at the complex yesterday, Shane Steichen. We'll hear from him coming up in about 15 minutes or so. I also today wanted to dive into, if it's okay with you guys, uh, there's a lot of criticism. I, I, I saw quite a bit on Twitter and obviously, and I understand it. I, I'm not even saying that Colts fans are wrong, but man, there is a lot of conversation about Gus Bradley uh, and I have some numbers, some numbers that are good for Gus Bradley, some numbers that I can understand that bother Colts fans, if you will, about the defensive coordinator. And it's not like, James, I want to stick up for him, but I want to give you the other side of the argument. Gardner Minshew speaking with the media again yesterday as well. Uh, I know JMV had Brad Spielberger on. I want to hear from him here in a second uh, from PFF. Uh, and he talked about Gardner Minshew. You know, the conversation, it's it's not too early. James, we've done this with Michael Pittman. Who knows? We'll do it with Grover Stewart, perhaps Kenny Moore. There's guys on this team that they're going to have to make a decision about, and we understand that. Um, um, and we know that. And Gardner Minshew is squarely one of those guys. He's squarely one of those guys, especially if you win on Saturday and if you can do anything in the playoffs. So, James, how was your night last night, and uh, how was everything out of the complex yesterday? Night was good. Got a chance to see Caitlin Clark hit a game winner last night against Michigan State. And I was thinking, just come on over to Indiana. <laughs> you know, don't need to use that extra COVID year. It's it's time. Join Aaliyah Boston. And the funny thing is, Andy, she was on the call for that game. Aaliyah Boston was. And so I'm like, all right. Oh, was she really? Yes, exactly. She's doing some Big Ten uh, network stuff. Oh, is she? I had no uh, idea exactly. that was the case. And I was thinking to myself, oh, that's good for her. Hmm, this is some very So she's good... analyst in the offseason? Exactly. Oh, I had and no idea that was the case. And analyzing her future teammate, which I'm speaking into existence. But getting well, back it's to. What's going to happen? Oh, I, I didn't know we were going to. I didn't know you wanted to start there. She had a step back three for the win, right? For the win. Last night. A 40 ball, which is, I mean, she's, <laughs> she's incredible. But getting ball. back to football as far as what happened at the complex, I mean, you got some. Injury, few injury updates. You saw that Kenny Moore is still dealing with the back issue. Um, Braden Smith dealing with some knee stuff. But I think a lot of these like estimated walkthroughs, which is what yesterday was, I don't put much stock into that. When right. I go there today and I have actual visual on these guys, I can tell you, okay, he, here's who, doing, who's doing what. This guy's out. This guy's you know rehabbing on the side. Whatever the case may be. But I would imagine that 
everyone in that building is trying to do whatever they can to be available to play. Yeah, they all said the they all said the right things, and we'll hear the sound as we go, especially on the ch- uh, checkdowns, whether it's Minshew, Zaire, Franklin, Jonathan Taylor, or Coach Steichen, that, hey, we have an opportunity here. We don't know how many opportunities we're going to get. Uh, let's go out. Let's work our ass off this week, basically, and let's see what happens on, uh, on Saturday night. I will say, and this is not surprising, uh, I think, and I told you, and you you might think this is a incorrect number. Mark, help me out. By the way, we have Corbin who is in studio today. He is uh, he's been here apparently. You know, I'm kind of a new guy as well, but he's a new guy. And later on in the show in the eight o'clock hour, James, we're gonna let Corbin just give a take on the air because he's got the voice, the voice of God. I mean, he he's he needs to be the new voice of the show. Oh, okay, is Corbin. So you met him? Did you not hear when he responded? I mean, you, to you know, it, it's early. Uh, you know, we exchanged pleasantries. I didn't really hear the voice, but I'm looking forward to hearing from God you know, later. You know what, Corbin? <laughs> Just say hello to James into the mic here. We got to get this guy. Listen to this. Hello, James. Oh man. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. You thought I was gonna come in here with yeah, something I was gonna weak. Say, uh, Corbin's got the voice of God. Yeah, my voice was never that deep. It will never be that deep, but well, neither will know. mine. So there you go. So we'll talk with him and we'll have some fun today. Uh I want to get to some sound because I was adamant about something yesterday and you looked at me and I don't know if you looked at me funny. Uh Mark, I don't know if you cared. I thought I was in the majority. Uh, but like I said, JMV had Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus on yesterday. He sees something the opposite. I want to get to that here in a second. The other thing I wanted to just just bring up, because I was talking with someone yesterday, James, and they made the conversation to me that I was a little bit wishy-washy on something yesterday. And that something was the Colts and simply making the playoffs. And what I mean by that is, you know, We haven't viewed this team like the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are going through what might be a crash right now, right? Like Kansas City Chiefs fans are sitting and saying, we're supposed to be great. We're supposed to be in the Super Bowl. And we're sitting here looking at it and saying, well, I I don't know how how deep of a playoff team we we can be. And for the Eagles, they have lost the NFC East. I mean, they have given that up. The way they started the season uh, to lose that is quite crazy. So we don't view the Colts through that prism. We view the Colts through the prism, whether this is right or wrong, even though – circumstances and projections and how we feel about a team changes throughout the you know the middle of the year at the beginning of the year middle of the year we thought differently of this team they lost three straight then they won four you know what I'm saying so mm-hmm. we have have uh, the ebbs and flows but I think still I was viewing this team a little bit through the hey they're a five and eleven you know they're a five and twelve football team right they're a yeah. six win football team they're a four win football team they're not a playoff team they're going to have some fine wins but we went into the season talking more about Anthony Richardson right and his maturation much more than going down the schedule and doing wins and losses and so it made me sound like uh, I was almost opening the door of hey everything is fine even though you miss the playoffs and I just at the very top here I wanted to be clear and again we're going to have today KB's back tomorrow through Thursday Friday and into Saturday morning uh, pregame here on the fan and on Hank FM that you know we sit here um no this team needs to make the playoffs uh you know now that they are where they are you know we talk about well as players they get the opportunity well as fans you're also getting 
that opportunity, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you're, and you don't know. And Colts fans have been humbled, have they not? The last couple years with the end of the Manning era, which was the best, right? Uh, the end of that era into Andrew Luck, and the way that ended has put this uh, franchise on uneasiness, right? Almost stability at times, stability at times, not much stability. And so, you know, when you're not viewing yourself through, oh, we're gonna have 15 years with Andrew Luck or paid Manning in that great era, each one of these does mean something. Each one of yeah. these runs, yeah. it, it means something. It does. So I want to be clear. I'm not wishy-washy on this whatsoever. Um, yes, we're not talking about this team like Philly or Kansas City or if the Miami Dolphins continue to play the mediocre football right now that they're playing. I understand that. There is more grace. It's a new head coach. It's a backup quarterback and everything else. But that does not mean... It's okay to miss the playoffs, especially when it's staring you in the face. You've put yourself in position. Now go win the game. Uh, And I think that's how the majority of people feel. All of the, well, it's a backup quarterback. And, well, it's a rookie coach. And, well, it's Gus Bradley. And, well, it's, you know know what I'm saying? Well, Kenny Moore is injured. Well, Blackman's out. All of those different things. All that's fine. But in the end, the fans want to see a playoff win. uh, And and, and they're living living this ride along with every single player. Yeah, I think... As a fan, when your team succeeds and makes the playoffs, it gives you at least a week of talking trash, which is what I love to do as a fan. So, <laughs> you know, if you get all the way to the finish line. Gives you that you, week of hope, buddy. Exactly. That's what it but gives you, you. you lose, then you, you can't talk trash. You can't say, hey, my team is better than your team, whatever. You didn't make the playoffs. So I think that if they get in, it gives everyone a chance to just be like, hey, my team did X, Y, Z, which many other teams couldn't, right. and we which talked, is fun. And we talked about it yesterday. It's a, it, it is a reset somewhat to the franchise. Yeah. Uh, and whether you like that or not, and whether you're frustrated by that or not, whether you wish, and I'm not going to dive into, good God, there'll be time next week uh, if they lose to dive into Chris Ballard. Uh, but there will be that conversation. So I wanted to throw that out there because, like, no, no. I mean, even though we're not viewing them as one of the best teams, right? Uh, as one of these teams that has kind of not lived up to expectations, whether it be the Chiefs or Eagles. Uh, if the Bills don't make it, I mean, that'll be a huge story. If the Buffalo Bills, if Miami ends up a lower seed and fizzles out as well. We're not talking about them like that, but I'm sorry. Uh, you've positioned yourself, you've played good football, uh, and you're in there against another rookie quarterback, head coach, and a team that was very much like you at the bottom of the NFL last year. Before we get to a check down, I wanted to bring this up as well. And we can talk about this, uh, James, as we go. All right. By the way, I'm looking at you in your Butler sweatshirt. You know I love Rick Patino, right? Last night they went to St. John's, and I hate that because we have Thad Mata on the show. I love I, I followed Patino for 12 years. You want content? That man provides content. (laughs) That I know. He provides content. Uh, Let's play this clip one, Mark, if you don't mind. So yesterday, JMV had Brad Spielberger on from uh, Pro Football Focus, okay? And he asked him, now this is about the Buffalo Bills. But he asked him, what would be the craziest scenario out there? And he was talking about the Buffalo Bills. And Mark, you brought this up yesterday, how the Bills could win the East. 
They could be a two seed or they could miss the playoffs. Like yeah. their final week, <laughs> their final 36 hours to their season is is set to be wild with what they need to have happen yeah. and then their game all the way at the end on a Sunday night. It's, so, it's the 2023 Bills season. It's the perfect it, it really encapsulation. Is. It's, it's the perfect ending. That's a great way to put it, Mark. It's the, it's the ideal, the perfect ending. So... Brad Spielberger's talking about the Bills. And in there, he fits in just a couple little opinions on the Titans and Jags coming up on Sunday. Take a listen. I think it would be a funny one, an insane one would be, so if the Bills lose to Miami and Pittsburgh beats um, Baltimore, who is playing backups, it sounds like, so it's very possible. And then I think Jacksonville would need to beat Tennessee, which I don't think we should see as a foregone conclusion at all. Um, then the Bills would not make the playoffs, right? So the, the Bills could win and get the two seed, or they could lose and miss the playoffs entirely without it being that crazy of a scenario, because I do think – Pittsburgh's going to win, and obviously Jacksonville could beat Tennessee, but frankly, I think it's the most obvious Mike Vrabel spoiler spot of all time. So that's probably the craziest scenario I see because Buffalo would be out of the playoffs as probably right now a top three, four team in the NFL. Okay, so we don't care about the Bills stuff too much, but James, I'm asking you because I don't know how you feel about this. I'm done with the Tennessee Titans. I think they are done. I think their bags are packed and they're ready for the offseason. They're ready for the Bahamas or Jamaica or Mexico or wherever you're going to go vacation. I think those fellas are ready to go. Brad's saying there, oh, no, this is the perfect spot for Mike Vrabel to ruin somebody else. And for, again, why it matters, if Jacksonville wins over Tennessee, Jacksonville is the four seed in the and they win the AFC South. If Jacksonville loses, the winner of the Colts, uh, the Colts can win the AFC South. I mean, the Colts can win, not only win and you're in, win AFC South, and you would host a playoff game in Lucas Oil, which would be crazy talk as well, uh, to go from just make it to hosting a playoff spot. So I, I haven't changed my mind, but am I crazy? Should I give Vrabel and company... Should Colts fans give Rabel and company the benefit of the doubt here? No, there's too much doubt. Um, I don't think they did deserve the benefit of the doubt. There's a chance, obviously, you go out there and you play. But even if they play hard, I just don't think they're good enough. That's just my bottom line for a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is playing desperate. And I know they backslid throughout the season. They're still a better, in my opinion, overall football team than the Titans. Oh, because there's what no I've doubt seen about it. There's no doubt. The Titans, they haven't been able to basically do what they've done in years past, which is maybe not have the talent, but just out-physical you or out-muscle you or make the game muddy. Uh, the bully's been bullied. Look at, exactly. look at, look, look at the uh, the first matchup when Anthony Richardson got injured. Yeah. They brought Minshew in, and they bullied the Titans up and down the field. And that's what I'm saying. I don't think that they can bully themselves into a last you know walk-off win for the season. Yes, it will feel good to walk to the offseason <laughs> with a win, but we're talking about a team that's just not very So you're talented. not believing in the Vrabel special then? No, nah, I'm not. I think he's got his number, at least he's got it reversed this year. Boy, if they do lose, I mean, boy, if they do lose, the Colts end up the four seed. That's going to be fantastic. It would be, but, but also would they you even would play hosting? I think it was actually Cleveland. So that would be quite a oh, matchup. Boy. And that would be. I don't know if I'm scared of Cleveland now just because of Joe Flacco. How I mean, old am I? I'm 39 and I'm still saying those things, James. Well, part of it would probably be like a, a chance to. Get a bit of revenge if that were to happen because well, sure. of what happened with oh, the controversial calls the and all that. The, I think the Colts should have won the first game. I think the Cleveland game was was Steichen's worst coaching performance of the year. 
The way if, you, if people remember the end of the first half, they gave up like ten points. Did they not? Some of the dropbacks that he had with uh, with Gardner Minshew when Miles Garrett was an absolute monster. We don't need to rehash one of the worst moments right, of right. the season. It, it, it has but, moved on I mean, to it's better one, times. It was a one point Andy, game, though. It's better days right now. Yeah, one game and they're in. <laughs> And again, we could talk about scenarios and who they face, but at the end of the day, they had to worry about that guy down in Houston, CJ Stroud, which again, talking to everyone in the locker room, even Shane Steichen himself, calling him an MVP caliber player at one point this season right. before he got injured. And that was a lot to hear from Shane Steichen, who hardly ever gives out anything on any player. Like he'll say, hey, this guy's a star. But when I heard him say that, I was like, oh, he must really be impressed do, because Shane doesn't give lip service. No, no, he doesn't. I do love how everyone loves C.J. Stroud in just how many months ago was it uh, leading up to the NFL draft that Ohio State quarterbacks. Listen, I'm not saying I'm not part of it. I, it was, was, I was not high on C.J. Stroud. And like his you know, quarterback you know, IQ test scores <laughs> oh, the and all that test. stuff. And I'm just like. That's where every radio gas bag, James, does the Wonderlick on yeah, the air. Yeah, I think go, now, what is it, S2 or something that? like yeah. that? And I'm just like. <laughs> First of all, I don't know what the test is. We hear these numbers. We hear how good or bad they are. And I think CJ said it himself right after he got drafted. He was like, you know what? I went to school, you know, to obviously get an education, but to play football. Like, I, I don't know about these tests and stuff. I can just play football. And as we've seen, he can really play football. Yeah, no, he's really good. Now, you could tell early on uh, that he was really good. So that sets up the show today. Coming up, uh, we'll get to a check down at about 7.35 or so. Gus Bradley, Gardner Minshew, a couple different thoughts on them. What did Shane Steichen say yesterday as we get ready for the Houston game? We'll play some sound next. You're hanging out with us. Wake Up Call Wednesday here on The Fan in Indy. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, your morning check down. Thanks for joining us here on the Wake Up Call. Reminder, coming up at 8 o'clock, uh, we'll have Stephen Holder joins us from ESPN. Well, let's dive into it. James, you were out there yesterday. Coach Steichen and others speaking with the media. It's Colts and Texans Saturday night. Here's Shane Steichen on C.J. Stroud and that Houston offense. He's a pure passer. He throws it effortlessly. And, uh, shoot, he's uh, he's done a heck of a job this year. He's played really like a veteran all year. I know he got dinged up with the concussion, but shoot. He was playing at MVP level there. Still is playing really good football. Like I said, really good pocket presence, accuracy, can make all the throws, and he's got that offense, you know, playing really good football right now. Speaking of that offense, uh, James, I know I know we had was Jonathan Alexander from the Chronicle on yesterday. We were talking some Texan football. He wasn't surprised, and I contend that I disagree with him. I am surprised that Devin Singletary is their lead running back. <laughs> that is surprising. I'm sorry. Devin Singletary? I mean, look, <laughs> as much as we've praised <laughs> I know. the Colts for finding a way, they, they found, found a way. Well, you're right. Exactly. Uh, Damian Pierce hasn't been very good at all. They no. haven't ran the ball well. I think that's something the Colts uh, can probably stop. Again, uh, that game coming up Saturday night. We'll have all the coverage leading up to it right here on the fan. Give me a swoosh. Uh, also on our check down, Purdue winners last night, 67-53. This is, uh, this is a boring piece of analysis, James. You ready for this? It was a lunch pail effort. How, you like that? You Boo. like that saying? It is a lunch pail effort uh, from Purdue last night, 23-12 and uh, for Zach Eady. Uh, that's how I feel. Uh, they are up double digits. I know Matt Painter, after the game, thought they should have been up more uh, than just 13. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> at, they're up 13 again at halftime. Maryland had a 19-game 
three-game home winning streak. That's out the door again. 67-53, your final post game. Here's Matt Payne. It wasn't the prettiest game, and that was kind of our question. Can we go on the road, face a good team, you know, not play great offensively, and still win? We kept our turnovers at 12. We had a great second half and, and rebounding the basketball. And then probably the other stat that jumps out is Julian Reese didn't score. You know, he's a good player. He's had games over 20 this year. It's her second leading scorer. And um, I thought we did a good job of bottling him up. Yeah, uh, they did bottle him up. Also, Lance Jones really extended things in the second half. It went from 13 to like 18, and the game was over uh, at that point. I thought Maryland would give him a kick. Again, on the road, Big Ten conference play. Purdue takes care of business, 67-53. Butler losers at St. John's, 86-70. Give me another swoosh. One more swoosh here. Uh, Pacers tonight, Halliburton, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. I see James rubbing his hands together, 630 right here on the fan Pacers and Bucks uh, again these two games in three days do you like that from the NBA because I do I think and by the way I think it's worked out in the Pacers advantage more so than not yes and I believe it's going to be their fifth matchup including the in-season tournament so they're very familiar with each other you know no need to exchange pleasantries just keep it all mean I don't want any handshakes. <laughs> I want to make sure the ball gets taken away by either team. I root for pettiness in situations like this. Well, good. It's the NBA. <laughs> if you think, listen, James, me and James have more in common with the pettiness and the trash talk than I thought. I didn't expect that from you. I got to be honest. I oh, like man, it. I'm all for it. And again, anything that makes me care about an NBA game in December or January, I'm with it. Do Pacer fans boo Giannis tonight? And do they boo him when he gets the ball like every time? No, or are they going to be well, that they, consistent? I think they'll boo him, but they'll also probably count when he's at the free throw line for forever. <laughs> oh, which, it's brutal. Quick rant. I don't understand how you just don't get that corrected. Please, two dribbles, spin, shoot. It's simple. Again, it's what, 10 seconds? Giannis yes, has 10 seconds forever. to shoot a free throw. He takes like, he takes all 10 seconds, and quite frequently he goes over. Yeah. They called it last game against him. I know. They called call it every single time because in my mind, I'm like, first of all. He's a I bad like free throw shooter, too. I'm like, you're yeah. psyching yourself out by taking <laughs> Listen, so I'm long. With you. Like, why are you thinking so hard about this? It's free, brother. Shoot. Yeah, plus it's not like he has a nice stroke from the liner that he needs to no, think about. No, he's like hot and cold when it comes to that stuff. But please, for the love of <laughs> all things good, just shoot the ball within 10 seconds, please. Oh, and lastly, uh, Indiana State AD Sherard Klinkscales. I don't know if you saw this out as Indiana State Athletic Director. I know JMV talked about that yesterday. Him and the school putting out a release yesterday, pursuing other opportunities. So no press conference for the journalist, James. Uh, just uh, just a press release. Uh, Klinkscales out there at Indiana State. All right, uh, after the break, I'm not totally going to back Gus Bradley. I want to give you the other side, and then we also need to remember, James, we were all wrong about Gardner Minshew. We'll talk about that next. It's Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wednesday, hanging out with you on The Fan. Yeah, James Boyd hanging out with us from The Athletic. You working on anything, by the way, that we need to know? I guess we should we should pub you. Come on, what you am. got cooking? Um, I got something, obviously, cooking for this week's game, what it means for the team, where they were last year to this year, what's changed from week two to 
Week 18. It's a lot. Things along those lines. I know uh, my buddy Zach Kiefer put an incredible story out this morning about a player, not a player, a former, um, I guess not former, but a fan of the team who was in prison for a long time. Um, Oh, wow. His his life was actually kind of portrayed on the show The Wire. Bird, if you guys are familiar with that, so oh, check sure. that out this really? morning. He's Bird um, with this. Yeah, his, yeah. really. Yeah. Okay, so check that oh, out. I didn't see that. That's out right now. In yeah, the Athletic this came out okay. today. He's working on that for a while. So I'm excited for a couple of different things. But I mean, to be honest, the only thing you're, you're going to want to read or watch is whatever happens after or during Saturday's game. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll get to that reminder. Pacers in action tonight. We'll have it 6:30 pregame, seven o'clock tip off there at Game Bridge, three and one this season against the Bucks. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, going to join us here at the top of the hour. Uh, so we went to break. I did a tease last segment. So give me a minute here, James, all right? Uh, inter- well, I interject whenever you want. So we did a tease. I did a tease where I was like, you know, I'm just going to mention Gus Bradley, and you're rubbing your hands together. Oh, yeah. And the mics the mics went off, and James kind of, he wasn't too loud about it, but he said, boy, you talk about Gus Bradley, you better turn those Twitter mentions off. Yeah, he's like the hot <laughs> button topic right now. Now, because whether they win or lose, like, man, Gus Bradley and his soft defense and this, and it's like, I understand there's some things you probably want to be different. You got some numbers on that as well. However, I think it's sort of disingenuous not to consider, at least this past week, what he was working with. Yeah. I mean, you're starting a guy in Nick Cross who hadn't, you know, had been benched last year, second year player. Oh, four or five weeks ago, we were looking at Nick Cross asking, hey, is this guy ever going to get on the field? Exactly. And now he needs to play 95% I mean, of the you, snaps. Yeah, you lost yeah. your starting strong safety, Julian Blackman, who was playing at a Pro Bowl yeah, who's, caliber who's level. Who's a good player, yeah. He Four turnovers, out. good player. Kenny Moore, your top slot corner good without player. you played. Another guy, Chris Lamont, who. Hadn't played a defensive snap all year. No, we talked about him. So again, off the field, yeah. more so than on the field. Yeah, uh, for the last what a year or so, however many months. Well, that was part of it. So here's my thing. I understand. Here's what fans want with a defensive coordinator. They want, and it goes back to a guy. There's a name out there. James, this guy interviewed actually last year for the head coaching job. He's a defensive coordinator right now. He's on a bad team, but he's a defensive coordinator, and I think he's going to be gone. Wink Martindale. People remember the name Wink Martindale. You remember the name? Yep. He was, you know, he he was a name that was thrown out there of different coordinators. And by the way, Shane Steichen getting the job is much better than if Wink Martindale would have got the job. I, I I just want to throw that out there. People know I follow the New York Giants. He is a defensive coordinator there. He is a blitz machine. You understand, Jay? Yeah. This guy's a blitz machine. That's all he does. He's sending the house. That's what fans want. They want they want their defense to be blitzing and to be running around and they want offenses to fear that and they want the, the DC on the field like a college team you know, going crazy. <laughs> that That's what fans want. I, I want to be clear. Whether it's the NFL or it's college, that's what fans want. And so, I am I'm not I'm not backing Gus Bradley here. What I am doing is trying to provide um, a little bit of nuance, which is dangerous on Sports Talk Radio. I understand. Yeah, a little bit. That. We need hot takes. <laughs> you tried that yesterday, and I said, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> uh, just, just quickly on Gus Bradley. Everyone here loves Shane Steichen, right? Be, everyone loves Great Shane Sykin, yeah. and you should love Shane Sykin. Even if you lose on Saturday, the one of the things you should feel pretty damn good about going into the offseason is is your head coach. Absolutely. I think everybody feels that. I think, you know, if I were to give a take and say, hey, 
How close can we get to 100% on something? Don't you feel like something on Tyrese Halliburton being a beast and how much people like Shane Steichen? Don't you feel like those are the two most safe picks that I could give out on the radio? So everyone loves Shane Steichen. And so if you like Shane Steichen, I mean, Shane Steichen did keep Gus Bradley around. I mean, this is this is his decision on top of it. So I guess my point would be we can't always pick and choose what we like about Shane Steichen. I mean, we can, but you understand you're being inconsistent. Uh, Steichen kept this guy around. Number two to all of this, I really believe after that Saints game, and I could be wrong here, but after the Saints game, in fact, look up the Colts schedule if you don't mind, James. After the uh, the Saints game, didn't we leave that game feeling that they got burned in that game? Absolutely. Okay, I mean, that's how we left that game, where we were like, you know, the secondary really got exposed here. And they did. And that's one of the main reasons that they lost. And... You know, we had that conversation. Would that be something that would continue? Now, the Colts, fortunately for them, and I think this kind of fits into the conversation, is after that, I mean, who do they have right after that? This started Carolina, in, yeah, Carolina, New, New England, England, the bye, and then Tampa Bay and Tennessee, which they all won. Yeah, and they win four straight. And I think, I don't know, don't you think that there was part of it where they looked around James and said, we, we can get beat like this. We need to make sure we're not beat like this. In other words, I think you look at the Raiders game on Sunday. Devontae Adams balled out, but they didn't allow 80-yard touchdowns in that game. And I think, you know, and part of it is they played bad offenses. So Carolina or New England, you know, those teams. Now, (laughs) they left Mike Evans open twice. Mike Evans is a first ballot, second ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, He is. Like, I I love Mike Evans. I view him in that light that when he goes out there, he ain't going to wait too long. So I think there's a part of uh, of there is a changing of scheme because they understand, you know, we got to play close games. And the one way we don't do that and we start chasing is if we allow big plays. I think that's part of uh, some of the scheming that was going that was going on. The other thing, and you mentioned it and it needs to be said. For Colts fans that are frustrated at Gus Bradley, you're probably frustrated at Chris Ballard as well. And so. So which is it? Is it how many guys are over seven sacks? Is it four? Yes. Is it four? Yep. And and they've they've broken a record for a team. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, their sack percentage is top six seven in the NFL, which is funny because that's the whole discussion. If you blitzed more, would it be even more, or would you leave but, these guys on an island? But, that, but this that's exactly what I was gonna say. With this young, inexperienced secondary, that is the fear. Now I understand you like you said. Fans and even myself, as a fan of the game of football, you want to see some action. You want to see the blitzes. You want to see all those things. However, what that does is leave a lot of one-on-one opportunities. And do you really trust Juju Brents to be a lockdown guy? Do you trust Jalen Jones to be a lockdown guy? Do you trust these guys on the back end to hold up? And I if think you one don't way, get home, yeah, exactly. If you don't get home, and there's going to be some advantages. Exactly. And I think the one thing you want to do in that situation is think about that because. That's all the NFL is. And I think a lot of this, you know, you can look at it and say, well, the quarterbacks they're playing aren't that good. I think this week is one of those opportunities where you have to pick and choose your spots when you blitz because if you do get burned, you can't have a guy like Nico Collins going off on the back end because you're being aggressive and maybe you're even hitting TJ Stroud, but you're not getting him 
getting to him fast enough. So that's something to consider. Yeah, not all not all touchdown drives are created equal. I think no. that, I think that's the point here. But even think the Colts' touchdown drives were the actually the exact perfect example of that. They had a huge play to Josh Downs and yep. a huge play to Alec Pierce. No, to me, that was the difference in the game. Sure. No, I mean, listen, you're spot on. Just quickly, and then we'll we'll move on to something else. But I want your thoughts on this. The other thing to all of this is, and this is me not saying, these are good, they have some good players. They have some good young players, by the way. I believe them when they say, we like our young secondary. If you bring back yeah. a guy like Kenny Moore, you bring back a leader and a really solid player. So I believe them, uh, and for the most part, you know, Ballard's kind of been right that we can roll and we can win some games with these guys. But here's the thing, you guys don't want to give Ballard credit. On, on getting talent for your team, which I which I understand. You know, it's year seven. Uh, why aren't we better? Why is there instability here? Why don't we have that? I totally get it. But I'm just giving you the flip side to all of this. Then if you believe there are a bunch of projects on this team, or you're not going to give Chris Ballard the credit, you got to give Gus Bradley the credit for getting them ready to play. Yeah, and, and, and people also don't want to do that as well. So that's kind of the other side to the discussion. Now, the blitz numbers will hit you in the face. I mean, they are dead last in the NFL on blitz and blitz percentage. But like I said, they're top 6-7 in the NFL on actual sack rate. And so the discussion, if you up, do you need to up that? I mean, you're get you're getting home. Do you need to up that? Um, it's going to be a discussion if they lose and C.J. Stroud is standing back there, patting the ball and waiting for guys three, four, five seconds, whatever it may be, waiting for guys who eventually get open, and that beats the Colts. Uh, that's going to be the number one complaint that, that I'm going to get and that you're going to write about will be Gus yeah. Bradley's defense. And honestly, if. CJ Stroud has five seconds to throw consistently on Saturday, then they're going to win the game. Five might be too much. You know, uh, and, three and a half, yeah, four, even, something and, like and, that. And he actually holds the ball um, pretty long. Uh, he doesn't get rid of it that fast. However, um, a lot of that has to do with protection, the longer stuff that they do, and obviously he can sling it when he has time. But I think, again, when you look at this team, a lot of the frustration sometimes is just, okay, whatever is not working in the first half, do you still stick with that in the second half? Now, we will – have to see some in-game adjustments because I don't think that D'Amico Ryans is someone who's just going to like run something out there and be like, oh, well, that didn't work. We'll just stick with it anyway. Like, no, it's going to be a chess match for sure. And it'll probably come down to maybe not blitzing, you know, like everyone wants every single play, but those few disguised blitzes here and there just to keep the defense or the, keep the other offense honest and force them to do something they don't want to do. I do think what is fair, and you saw it at the end of the Raiders game, I think it's fair that that fans want to see a little bit more aggression in getting to the quarterback, right? I I, th- I just think there's a happy medium. It feels like everyone thinks Gus Bradley is kind of a bum. That that's that that's the way that's the way Colts fans talk about it. And I look at their defense and I'm like, guys, they're starting rookies, and they're not even like Juju Brents is a second rounder, but not everyone on that on that secondary is a first or second rounder. Yeah, Jalen Jones was a seventh. Rounder. He's a seventh rounder. I know he's an SEC guy and everything else, but. I mean, you look at rookie corners, you look at injuries there, you look at uh, what has happened now with, with Blackman, you look at, I mean, Ronnie Harrison was playing, he was he was filling in for Shaq Leonard, and he played in the secondary last week. I guess that would be my thing is, he doesn't pick all the groceries. He has had some projects and some melding that he's had to do, and I think for the most part, he's done a fine job. Now, it will be up to Stein. 
Mikan to say, no, I want a guy that's going to bring the heat. It will be up to Chris Ballard to say, no, we want a guy. We want a philosophical change. That's what it is here. If you want Gus Bradley, you know what Gus Bradley's defenses are kind of going to look like. If you want something that is systematically different, then that's up to your GM uh, and that's up to your head coach. Anything else on that? It, 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 I agree. You think my mentions will be a problem? And, uh, maybe a little that's bit. Kind of, but, kind you know, of backing Gus Bradley a little know, bit. But again, I think he's done enough. And you mentioned just real quick, Ronnie Harrison Jr. This is a guy who they brought in in training camp, which we probably didn't even think was going to play a lot this year. And to their credit, I remember his first game he got in at linebacker. He got a, you know, he started linebacker. He got interception. Yeah, he got that pick. Yeah. And then he got another interception in Cincinnati for a pick six. And then, um, you look at the, this past week, he goes from linebacker to safety, which was his original position coming into you know the NFL. So again, they found some gems there to help them get over the top. And you're just hoping that, okay, for one more game, at least, can we do it and do enough to get our, give ourselves a chance to get into the dance as Zaire Franklin said. Well, you know, they, like, Right now, it might be because of just the way it is, circumstances, personnel, injuries, whatever it may be, that you're playing experience, right, and Mm -hmm. and talent, and maybe you need to add a couple guys to that. You're playing the way you need to win games. Does anyone think that the Colts offense is going to look this way next year? Or would with no. it, do you think do you think with Anthony Richardson that you're gonna have trouble running the football? Ask no. Zach Moss that question. No, not a chance. <laughs> Zach Moss is getting some pretty damn good yards yeah. when Anthony Richardson was in the game. He had like that, you know, fifty six yarder or whatever it was against the Titans, and it's because when they did the zone read or whatever, two defenders, one with Anthony Richardson, and he was able to just go straight. Well, down go the back field. to the Texans game. Go yeah. back to week two again. Uh, they're having to play. Steichen is having to play. Whether that means, hey, I'm going to lean on the run. He's done that in a few games. Or, sorry, Gardner, you're going to throw 45 times, and we'll see what happens on Saturday. Now, as speaking for, and again, Stephen Holder going to join us in 15 minutes. Speaking of, I should say, Gardner Minshew, um, where in your mind... Well, before I get to that question, let me go back. The media, and I mean this involving myself... Keep me have, out of it. Have James, I'm bringing you in. <laughs> Brother, we were so damn wrong about this team. And and no one epitomizes my wrongness, if I'll create a term, than Gardner Minshew. The reason I bring that up is Gardner Minshew, if you remember two things, that I thought Gardner Minshew would eventually the NFL would catch up with him. In other words, the NFL would catch up with him. They would have two, three, four weeks, whatever it was, and defenses would lock him down. And and that was that was like that was my reasoning on why the season was over, if you will, when Anthony went down. Not that they couldn't win some games, not that they were going to be the Jets, okay, or look like the Washington Commanders, but that's what I thought was going to happen. I was wrong. The other take The other take that was out there, and I heard some scuttle about it yesterday, is remember when Richardson went down, they go and they beat, you know, they beat Baltimore, then Richardson goes down, and then Minshew becomes the starter. Remember one of the prevailing thoughts was, and it's funny if they win on Saturday, it's really funny if they end up winning the South and are the fourth seed and host a freaking playoff game, was you got to trade Gardner Minshew. 
Remember that? Like, it's okay if if the media and fans remember our horrific takes that we have occasionally. Okay, we remember bad games and bad schemes and bad plays and everything else. We had the take that they should trade Gardner Minshew to the New York Jets, and we made up a number, James. Ah, oh, they'll get a third rounder. Ah, oh, they'll get a fourth rounder. We're just making up. I have no idea if Gardner Minshew is worth a third rounder, a fourth rounder, a fifth rounder. And if they win on Saturday... Even if they don't, but you know what I mean. If they win on Saturday, it's going to make us look even more like dopes. And that's going to be funny that Gardner Minshew went from a guy the NFL will figure out and a guy that you need to trade so the Jets don't end up having to play Zach Wilson or Trevor Simeon. Who else have they started this year? There's another one in there. Oh, goodness. Who uh, else? Trust me. There's I have another bum in there that they've started. Jets games. So well, Red Zone will pop on occasionally when Garrett Wilson does something. Uh, but we need to remember that that that's we left Minshew for dead and he could take you in 60 minutes to a playoff uh, to a playoff berth and perhaps even if things fall your way uh, the AFC South title and if nothing else he has played respectable football that he has made you at least ha- feel something this season when and, and when when Richardson goes down with that shoulder injury against Tennessee. Not one of you thought you were going to have joy this season, and you've had joy again. Is he a starter? No. Do they bring him back? That's a discussion we can have. But it is fun to remember the takes that we had, you know, eight weeks ago about Gardner Minshew. Brett Rippon is the team is the player on the Brett Jets. Rippen. You're thinking Brett Rippon. He stinks too. <laughs> yeah. See, I would have never got that name, but. Personally, I remember writing a story about how after Minshew kind of started hot, oh, yeah. is he the best backup in the yeah, league? Sure. And what would be his trade value? And if you asked me back then, it wasn't about him not being like good. I was just thinking, hey, if he's only on a one-year deal and we get a second-round pick for him, see you, brother. That was what I was thinking. Now, um, obviously, when Anthony Richardson went down, that changed, like for the season, that changed a lot of the equation because at that point you're trying to figure out, okay, do we still try to go out here and win? And I remember having conversations with my editor about this. You could have still made the trade and probably got something for him and use that to continue to build towards your future. However, how does it go over in the locker room where you just tell all the guys in there like, oh, we don't want to win this year? Like that's a hard pill to swallow. And you can't sell Sam Ellinger. And I, I think that's what it basically came down to. And I'll add that, you know, everyone's like, oh, we thought they had, you know, Gardner Minshew figured out. We do. Right. When he has to be their most important player, he's right. not good. Right. When they're able to run the ball and have some balance, he's pretty good. That's as simple as it goes. But I look at his numbers this season, they've been okay. I think he's, you know, now at probably 18 total touchdowns against maybe 14 turnovers. So it's not like he's been amazingly good. He's just been really good in spots where they don't force him to be their number one top guy. He hasn't cratered their season. Look at what happened to Minnesota. Look at what happened to the Jets. And they've they've been able to stick with him. That too. Because like, to your point, I'll give him some credit there. He's been who he is. And it hasn't really, like you said, cratered or just nosedived. Because like you said, you look at those teams. They've changed quarterbacks, it seems like, right. every other week. Yeah, it's not that he's been great. It's not yeah. that he's Even been. Jake Browning for sure. uh, you know, uh, Cincinnati, everyone was like, oh, these numbers, he's the first guy. Well, they were in it to this Robert last week, and they yeah. led 17 nothing in Kansas City yeah, with a chance to keep their season exactly, alive. Exactly, but I think, again, Minshew has at least plateaued where you don't expect just a completely bad performance. But I will admit, 
There were some stretches there, especially during that three-game losing streak. It was touch and go. Where I was like, man, it was touch and go. can this guy stay yeah. you know, as your starter but if he's going to turn the ball over every single game, which he hasn't over the last few weeks? Yeah, I, I'm i not high on Gardner Minshew. I, I don't want to make it sound like he's a starter. I, I think KB, Mark, you would say this. I think KB's been hardest on him, probably, of the three of us on the show. And, I'd say that's fair. Yeah, and my, and my take has never even been uh, he's a starter in this league or anything else. My, my take has been it's felt like your season has not cratered, and when there was no hope, he is a, a it might be a small part, he is a, he is a piece of the puzzle that has given you hope this season. Yeah, and I think it speaks to, like you said, the hope he's given them. He's got some swagger to him. Whenever you see them win, they'll you know the team usually posts a video and he's in the locker room hyping them up or dancing or something like that. So that I think that matters when you have just a likable guy in that role. However, you know you look at some of these games, it's hindsight twenty twenty. Well, he got bailed out and the team got bailed out. They went to Carolina and couldn't score. Right. Then Kenny Moore scored two touchdowns. Well, New for him. England, they scored the first drive, and then it was you know exactly. constipation basically you, for fifty-eight minutes. You mentioned Baltimore; they go to Baltimore, and they have an all-time great kicking performance from Matt Gay to win. You know, for first time in NFL history where a guy had four fifty-plus yard field goals in the same game. So I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve credit for you know being in those games, but I think it speaks to also him sort of being like this crown jewel of a really together team. I mean, there's always somebody every week who's stepped up. I mean, they went to Tennessee and they had Grant Stewart block a, oh, you know, sure. re- return a, a, bl- a blocked kick for a touchdown. So, again, these are all things that I think um, and matter not when it comes to trying to win big in this league. By the way, not everything's been great for Minshew. He has had guys injured. He has had Michael Pittman out for a couple games. He is, I mean, jo- Jonathan Taylor, it's almost a lost year. I mean, we're down to the end here. Does Jonathan Taylor, do we get anything out of it? Zach Moss has been really good then he's been injured they have been shaking up the offensive line quite a bit I, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there that um you know I, I listen I think I, I think you try to bring him back on on some sort of a two-year deal something that is competitive oh, maybe. I would bring him back absolutely. yeah I, I think he is a valuable yeah. not the most valuable he's not Michael Pittman valuable if you want to bring back a Kenny Moore but you know there's no way do I think Anthony Richardson's injury prone I'm not ready to say that it would be unfair after one season in the NFL for me to say that but that doesn't mean I automatically give him the benefit of the doubt yeah. that he's going to play 17 games either I think the argument as to not bringing Gardner Minshew back will be do you get a quarterback similar to like the Baltimore Ravens where you have Tyler Huntley and he's a similar right. skill set to Anthony Richardson. The Eagles tried that with Marcus Mariota, yeah. but, but he's fallen off the cliff. But they tried that yeah, with Jalen like, Hurts so being there. If sure. our guy is right. out for a week or two, we, can we don't have, have to change it too much. Exactly. But I do think just given the relationship with Shane Steichen and Gardner Minshew, what he's done this season, I mean, again, do you reward a guy who helped you get to the promised land, which is the playoffs? And I think you do, and I don't think he would mind it either. I mean, the guy is – he's a baller. Um, he gives them a chance, and I think that's all you can ask for when you put your back up in there. Yeah, that position's going to be key, no doubt about that. Colts and Texans coming up on Saturday. Uh, yeah, we'll talk with Stephen Holder, our good friend. ESPN.com joins us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're on the fan. 
All right, Stephen Holder. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, sorry to Mark Dighton. I was vibing with the music. I don't know what happened. Uh, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com will join us here uh, on the Wake Up Call. James Boyd hanging out with us from The Athletic. Couple more hours to go. KB will be back at it coming up on, uh, coming up tomorrow. He'll be back. I would imagine he's flying back today, Mark. He's doing the entire thing with all the kids in a plane. Uh, Sounds miserable, KB. Hope you have a hope you have a great trip All there. All I know is KB had that alarm ready tomorrow because I'm sleeping in, brother. <laughs> you better believe it. Uh, we appreciate you uh, jumping on with us quickly. Do need to remind everyone. So here's the deal: on Saturday, we are going to have the Pacers game at 6:30. The game and obviously all the post game to the Pacers right here on the fan. Here's what else we're going to have on the fan. Okay. Uh, So we're going to have JMV's ride to kickoff and about the first hour of the Colts pregame is going to be, like always, right here on the fan and Hank FM 97.1, okay? Uh, That's like normal. Then the fan will break away, like I said, at 6.30 for Pacers and Celtics, which, by by the way, is right across the block, basically, down here, downtown at Gamebridge as well, okay? It's going to be a busy night, uh, downtown Indianapolis. Uh, We'll have the, again, the Colts will continue Continue on Hank FM, and then when Pacers are done, the fan will rejoin, and it will be the Colts will be on all sticks. The post game, end of the game, exactly uh, where we are. So that is the broadcasting plan coming up on Saturday night here uh, on the fan and on Hank FM. All right, let's dive into it. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, uh, good morning to you. How are you today, sir? Happy New Year. Uh, hey, happy new year to you as well. Um, I am doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, I'm looking at James Boyd right now, and he said during the break, if I had as much money as David Tepper, I wouldn't be throwing a damn drink on anybody. Uh, Temper, a $300,000 fine, Steven. You've covered a lot of games. What did you think of that? He sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sounds like a, you know someone you really want to hang out with. Really level-headed guy. Uh, just you know, the, the perfect kind of the perfect kind of guy to to own a a franchise in a really volatile business. I I think it's a perfect fit. It really is, boy. <laughs> Go ahead, James. I think it's a mess, yeah. quite frankly. But I mean, we talk about this all the time, Stephen. Where I tell you, you know, what what I would do if I was rich, and one of them would be to block out every person who ever had a disagreement with me. I'd be like, I'm rich. Who cares? But um, as far as this team goes with the Colts. Obviously, and I, I will add that if this was Jim Irsay doing something like this, this would have been everywhere. So I do want to put oh, yeah. out there that, um, yeah, this is an owner acting like this is not okay. But um, getting back to this team and this owner, Jim Irsay, I'm sure he's excited for Saturday. When you look at where this team was at the beginning of the year to where they are now, what is your takeaway, your biggest takeaway from how they've been able to do it, Stephen? Yeah, it, it's remarkable. I don't know if we have – really done a great job of putting it in context because it, it has kind of happened in a in an uneven kind of way you know what i mean like they they started well then they kind of struggled then they came back and had a couple more struggles again and so now here they are so it's it hasn't been linear in any form or fashion but that doesn't mean it's any less impressive and and i think we just just in general, I think we just have to stop and acknowledge that because that can get kind of get lost in, in talking about, you know, just, you know, the big game and all of that. You know what I mean? Like, I think mm-hmm. if they lose on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me, 
I mean, certainly no one's rooting for that. But if they lose on on Saturday, I don't think it really takes any shine off of this season. You know, I mean, to do what they have done under the circumstances, they have done them. I don't feel any differently about it, win or lose. So anyway, that is the point I'm making is we have to appreciate just how remarkable this has been. I don't care about the schedule. I don't care about, you know, what quarterbacks they were lucky enough to play. I mean, half the NFL is playing a backup quarterback every week right now. You know what I mean? So let's look at it from that perspective. Like, they're not catching that many breaks compared to everybody else when you really think about the state of the NFL right now. So just appreciate it, I guess, is what I'm saying, because this is a really hard thing to do. I mean, they have a chance to improve by six wins from last year. I mean, that never happened. It does happen, but it's it's a really hard thing to accomplish. Uh, and they've added stability. Uh, coaches, some young players, some guys that you know were projects and we didn't know if they were going to be able to play or cut it in the NFL. And for the most part, they've had. And maybe uh, there is a renewed zest. Yeah, I, I've said they need to, you know, if they win and they can move on, if nothing else, they, they really have started a new regime here. Now, one thing I would say, and I agree with you, and again, Stephen Holder from ESPN.com with us, uh, you said, hey, I'm not going to feel different about this team if they were to lose on Saturday. While I agree with with you, I know you understand. At least in the heat of the moment, a bunch of fans are not going to feel that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, disappointment is is fine and understandable. Uh, I, I think let's just keep it in perspective, right? I mean, not, I'm sure perspective will will there will be no issues with perspective. I'm sure. Yeah, we're trying <laughs> to hit it. No, we're going to have nuance yeah. nuance conversations <laughs> about Gus Bradley and the play calling after the game if they lose on Saturday. Don't worry. Steve. Right, yeah. right. If, if C.J. Stroud <laughs> throws for 350 yards, I'm sure everybody will will just be fine about that. But look, I, I mean, look, they are they are not a perfect team. I mean, they had flaws entering the season. They have flaws now, and so the, I would say this. The coming off season, win or lose of the, in this game. The coming off season, I, in my opinion, I think the the importance of the coming off season has been heightened because of the success. Because now you realize what's capable. Agreed. So now you can't you can't skimp on the secondary, and you can't pull. You know you you can't you know sort of take chances with the offensive line depth. You can't do any of that stuff. I mean, you've got to have firepower at your skill positions. And to make sure that you can withstand Michael Pittman missing a game, which they can't do right now. You know, so like, I, I just think the importance and how they go about things in this offseason, that has taken on just a, a much bigger uh, importance, in my opinion, because of the success that they have had. So, hey, it, it, tur- it turns the stakes up, <clears throat> excuse me, quite a bit, just because now we know, look, this is not – they're not on the same timeline maybe we thought they were. They're on a different timeline because the timeline's now. Stephen Holder with us from ESPN.com here on the Fan on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, whether this be a positive nugget uh, or even a negative nugget or somewhere in between, Stephen, it's still early in the week. It's only a Wednesday, game on Saturday. Um, what's the thing you feel most confident about looking at this game right now, again, only on a Wednesday? Uh, I I think that that they will come out with energy. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I just thought was <clears throat> excuse me, one one of the things I, I thought was disappointing in the past month was, uh, as everybody knows, the Cincinnati game and the Atlanta game. 
And I, I thought that those were two oppor- two instances where Shane Steichen couldn't get his team up for those games. But I would say this. This team generally rises to the occasion. Those games were important, but they weren't, they weren't massive games in, in the way this one is. You know, and, and this team, at, at pivotal points, they have responded. You know, when they have had to, to bounce back, they've responded. When they've had challenges uh, because maybe someone was out of the lineup, or, uh, you know, certainly Anthony Richardson goes down, whatever the case might be. This team has, has not been intimidated by, by situations. So I don't I don't know if they're going to win, but I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to like cower in this moment, and and I know that's you know that's kind of like a cryptic you know nothing statement, but but it is there is something to that. I mean, I think the the good teams, the teams that are that are ready for moments like this, you can tell, you can tell when they go out there and when they play, and I I think the Colts will will respond accordingly. I agree. I, I do. So that, so that's that's what I think I know, and and I don't know how much that gets you. That doesn't get you a W in and of itself, but it you have to do that to be able to win a big game on that stage at minimum. Yeah, see, I don't know how much Steven knows, but we'll see. Um, but no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm wow, just joking. <laughs> hey, so let's talk about next Wednesday here, guys. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in all seriousness. You talked about, you know, being ready for the moment and him them having to seize it. What do you think could be an X factor for them, Stephen, which could swing this game and possibly swing it in their favor? So I would love to see them be able to to run the ball with, with some real consistency. I mean, they did it uh, to a large degree on, on Sunday against the Raiders. Um, Jonathan Taylor was in and out of that game. But I thought that was a – I would consider that to be – a really strong rushing performance from Sunday. And the reason I say that, the reason I, I think that's important in this game is because if you, if you give C.J. Stroud opportunity after opportunity against a secondary that I just don't trust, okay, let's just, we're going to just put it out there, all right? Mm-hmm. I don't trust these that's guys. That's the biggest so worry. You, that, as a fan. That's the biggest worry is a patchwork secondary. I mean, Ronnie Harrison Jr. was played in the secondary last week. Ronnie, Ronnie Harrison Jr. probably looked around like, what me? Huh? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so that's where we're at, man. And so I, I really just think that is the path here. Okay. Get the you know, sort of the ground and pound game going. I know it's not necessarily the you know, Shane Steichen's favorite thing. <laughs> you know, he, he talks about um what does he say? Uh throw the score and, and run to win, right? So he wants to in theory, throw it up and down the field. But I don't think this is the game for that. And uh, they did it in the first game um, against the Texans. They they actually threw the ball pretty successfully that day. But I think now what you have is a, a different C.J. Stroud in this game from that first meeting. You also have a Houston pass rush that is really mm-hmm. rolling. Yes, sir. That pass rush, I believe, had 12 or 13 quarterback hits against Tennessee on on Sunday, and and not I think Will Levis out of the game. So I mean, this this is not a game. You do not want to play their game. You want to play your game. And I think the the Colts' strength in this game, potentially, if they can do it, is to run the ball, grind it out, and play that kind of game. 
you know, I was going to ask you, and Stephen Holder from ESPN.com, you you covered some of it there, and boy, it's I know it's a generic question that's been asked all week, and James and I have talked about it. Like, what can you take away from that first meeting uh, in in week number two? Is there anything? I mean, you may, I, CJ Stroud was good then, and you know, now we know even more about CJ Stroud. It almost, almost feels like the Colts are maybe. Uh, have had more turnover than at times the Texans, but then you mentioned you know Texans that defensive line and not only their D line, Stephen, their offensive line is totally different than week two. Do we do we throw that out? What do we do with what happened earlier in the season? Anything? Well, I, I do think the one takeaway you can you can have from that game is that you you have to get pressure on C.J. Stroud. Now, I mean, I get it, right? The sky is blue, duh. But what I'm what I mean is. He's impacted by the pressure. He, he is impacted by the pressure, and and that I did that I have noticed. If you look at him throughout the season this year, uh, he's had you know multiple big games, really big games, but he's also had some games where he has struggled, and those are the games where he has been under pressure. Uh, you know, some quarterbacks. I think being a young quarterback, he still isn't quite there yet. You know, and that's that's to be expected. So I, I just think the Colts have the ability to get after him. Um, you know, their offensive line has, has been up and down this year, talking about Houston's. Their offensive line has, has been a little inconsistent, and some of that is injuries too. But whatever the case, I think that is where the Colts can maybe get him off his spot and force him to throw the ball quicker, do those kinds of things. They're going to have to do that because if they leave it up to him sitting in the pocket, he did this, I thought, in the second half of the first game. They they let him kind of sit in the pocket, and, I mean, he was dicing them at mm-hmm. times in that game. And I thought that was the moment where everybody kind of sat up and said, oh, my God, this guy, he might be a find. And and it was true. It, it turned out to be true. I mean, what we saw then was, was a preview of what was to come with C.J. Stroud. Uh, fortunately for the Colts, they got an easy early lead in that game, and they were able to kind of you know, continue to have offensive success. But – you know, look, this this could play out differently if they don't uh, if they don't get him off his spot. Stephen, how do you think Zaire Franklin will embrace this opportunity to lead this defense, which again is very young on the back end, but is very experienced with the front seven? I would say that is true. I mean, we we sometimes kind of overlook that because we talk about the Colts as like this young team, but. They have a lot of experience up there. I mean, DeForest Buckner, for example, I think Shane Steichen made a great point yesterday. I mean, here's a guy who has played in the Super Bowl. And, and by the way, just a, a, an occasional reminder here, a periodic reminder, in that Super Bowl that you can go back and watch for yourself, DeForest Buckner, in my opinion, outside of Patrick Mahomes, was the best player on the field. So, fun fact. Anyway, you know, that's the type of – that's the type of team we're talking about. You know, a team with guys like that. Um, I think there are, there are guys who were here in 2020. So it, it definitely helps. I mean, it's not going to make up for the loss of Julian Blackman or the young corners, but it, it definitely helps, I think. Uh, and playing at home helps for the defense as well. I think that place is going to be loud. You know, this isn't going to be a situation where you know, you got a bunch of uh, road team fans in the building. I mean, this is going to be all Colts fans, and unless the uh, Houston Texans, they're going to be liquored up. They're going to drink yeah. all day. This is not a one o'clock game, Stephen. Yeah. Okay, this is, <laughs> this is this, you start drinking plays, at two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yes, this plays to the defense's uh, advantage. There's no doubt about it. So, so anyway, we'll see. I'm, I'm, all I would tell you is, I'm, I'm really 
eager to see how they rise to the occasion yeah. and if they rise to the occasion. Do you think Zaire will be nice? Um, yeah, I mean he's always very nice and respectful, and he, you know he helps guys up. And no, I, I would say this: you know this, Zaire Franklin is is insane. I don't think people really know how crazy this man is. Not off the field, he's actually extremely normal off the field. On the field, he is insane. He told me one time, I asked him after the Baltimore game because he tried to get in like three fights. I said, I said Zaire, what is your deal, man? Like, why are you always trying to fight? And he says. Man, I don't care about those guys. He said, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's perfect for his positions. It's exactly yeah. the attitude that I need. He said, no. He says, man, that, that's my job. I'm out there trying to fight. He says, you play me, you got to fight. I'm like, all right, man. You know what? I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a reason they can play uh, football and we can't. Uh, there's a, there's yeah. a bunch of reasons, that being one of them. Uh, Stephen Holder with us, ESPN.com on the Payless Liquors hotline. Cart before the horse, I understand it, but since we have you on, a two-parter here, and I hate to do that, but a two-parter. Um, do you think Tennessee can actually beat Jacksonville so the Colts could, you know, the Colts or the Texans could actually win the AFC South. How much do you think that could actually happen? And then if the Colts get in, I, I mean, I, I see no reason they can't go win a game with the pass rush. If they can keep, you know, if they can win a ball, I, I could see them win at least a playoff game. Hell, Daniel Jones did it last year. Gardner Minshew can as well. Again, I throw that to you, Stephen, understanding that his cart before the horse, they need to win on Saturday for any of this to be a moot point. Let's just say I'm not putting money on the Colts winning the AFC South. Okay, <laughs> that way. I'm not in either. Terms of the, the Tennessee and Jacksonville game. I I don't know. Tennessee they they're going to have a long off season. I don't know, man. I know. So anyway, that's my answer on that one. I would say this on in terms of can they can the Colts advance? Here's the thing about the playoffs, and I think this is a good thing. The playoffs are all about matchups. Because this ain't basketball where you know you have a seven, a best of seven, right? And you can you can adjust throughout the course of the the uh, the series, and you know you can change your starting lineup. And no, oh, I mean it's a it's a one and done. It's a it's a one game situation. You know, win or go home. And you know, I take okay. Let's let's say like an, a ridiculous example, maybe, or that may sound like a ridiculous example. I don't know where they're going to end up, but even say if it's like Kansas City, mm-hmm. like, am I going to pick the Colts to go to Arrowhead and win no. in January? Like, no, no. Like I would just make a donation to to uh, to Wheeler Mission or something if I was going to do that. However, <laughs> I would say this: Would it stun you? That I guess that's my you, point. That's my point. Yes. Get, yeah, yeah. No, it I, I think they do the things that that can win you football games in the playoffs. They can run the ball. They can rush the passer. You know they can, they've gotten some key stops on defense this year. Their defense, even though again we're sitting here crying about the back end, for, trust me, rightfully so. Their defense has had some huge clutch moments this season. You know what I mean? So that's what it takes. I mean, you go back to Baltimore, for example. I mean, the same guy that we're that we're now basically saying is going to walk away with the MVP. I mean, the Colts got him off the field in a couple of really critical situations in that game where they had to have it. So what's the difference with going to going to Kansas City and doing that, right? Yeah. So, I, you know, I get it. The stakes are different, and, and, and I don't even know if that'll be the matchup. I mean, you know, I, I don't love the matchup, for example, in Miami just because of the skill position players. Uh, but, 
you know, that's certainly not a strength of, of Kansas City right now. You know, who knows what the matchup will be. But, uh, but again, I really do think in a one in, in a win-or-go-home situation, it is about matchups and it's about game plans. Colts got one of the top coaches right now in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. This guy, from a strategic pers- perspective, he, is, he has shown himself to be elite this year. So you want, you want a guy like that on your side, when it's a win-or-go-home situation. Steven, we appreciate the time here every Wednesday. KB will be back uh, in the saddle next week for you, and we'll see what happens, and we'll keep reading and uh, watching your Twitter and everything else here over the next few days as we get ready for this game on Saturday night. Appreciate it. Have a good, uh, have a happy new year, and uh, today's the last day I can say that because once we get to the fourth, enough of the, uh, of the new year stuff. We're three days in. We're good to go. Appreciate the time, my man. Take care. Okay. All right, guys. Talk soon. All right, Stephen Holder with us there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, Houston, uh, that one, 815 in Lucas Oil uh, as James Boyd rubs his hands together. You agree with everything he said there? You like that Zaire Franklin stuff, don't you? Yeah. You like I was crazy just, football I was talk. I just needling him to like finally <laughs> say it on the air because Zaire is one of the best human beings that I've personally met in the sports world, however, he is crazy, which you need a little bit of that on the football field. And I think <laughs> he does give that that defense in particular the confidence to go out there and execute because he's got this incredible underdog story, us oh, sure. the world type sure. of mentality. And maybe you need that to go out there and maybe feel bigger than you are if you are, say, a Nick Cross or a Rodney Thomas or somebody who hasn't been in that position before. Yeah, it's interesting. So many different angles. Good stuff. We'll have that up on the Podcast Center, 1075thefan.com. Reminder, Tony East going to join us. We'll talk some Pacer basketball as they get ready for Milwaukee tonight. We'll do that at 9 a.m. Let's dive into it. Corbin's running the board. Morning checkdown time here on The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We talk about week two, the Colts and the Texans. What did we know then of Houston? What did we know of the Colts? Shane Steichen was asked about that yesterday. How has his team grown since week two? Just finding out who we are, the resiliency. You know, you kind of build, you gel, the chemistry. You know, like I said, it always starts in the middle of the season. You kind of find out who you are, the chemistry, offensive chemistry, defensive chemistry, the communication. Obviously, you always want that stuff to keep, you know, rising up. And I think that's what our guys have done to put ourselves in the position that we that we're in right now. So, um, just the growth from everybody, coaches, players, uh, has been awesome. Uh, I'm I'm looking right now. You know the reason I played that. That was a 27-second Shane Steichen clip. Well, that's pretty damn long for Shane Steichen. I was going to say, he is not a man of many words. We don't we don't get that many uh, seconds of Shane Steichen. Give me a swoosh here, Corbin. There we go. Love it. Uh, pa- uh, Pacers, goodness. Purdue, winners last night on the road, 67-53 at Maryland. Uh, got, the, got the lead and just kind of kept it at arm's length. And, you know, I don't know. Lance Jones was good in the second half. I think he was scoreless in the first half. Matt Painter talked about him postgame. It wasn't the prettiest game, and that was kind of our question. Can we go on the road, face a good team, you know, not play great offensively and still win? We kept our turnovers at 12. We had a great second half and, and rebounding the basketball. And then probably the other stat that jumps out is Julian Reese didn't score. You know, he's a good player. He's had games over 20 this year. It's her second leading score. And um, I thought we did a good job of bottling him up. Uh, next up for Purdue, it's Illinois. Uh, top 10 Illinois, uh, number nine right now. Boy, 
They got some issues, though. They have some issues at Illinois, so they're not going to be top 10 for too long. That one coming up on Friday at 8.30. Quickly on the Indiana side, the Hoosiers back in action uh, tonight. If you want to catch the Hoosiers, you can do so. Uh, That's going to be tonight. It is Big Ten Network. Uh, It's also at 9 o'clock, James, so you'll be fine. You're not having to wake up in the morning. I'll be struggling at the end of that game. Corbin, I'll be struggling at the end of that game. Don't go to overtime. ready, my boy. (laughs) Kevin Bowen, you back in here tomorrow. You better believe it, Indiana and Nebraska. Uh, That's coming up. And then, as well, I know you're wearing the Butler sweatshirt. Butler losers last night at St. John's 86-70. Pacers in action tonight, 6.30, our pregame game coverage right here on the fan Tyrese Halliburton your Eastern Conference player of the year uh, rumors week, week, week. Are, the, are the year yeah the way well, he might be of the well, year we shall see of look, the week though. that's just the first time I'm hey, surprised he, he wasn't that earlier to be quite honest Giannis again tonight you never know I think he'd be four and one against <laughs> Milwaukee Four and one against Milwaukee. Uh, Tony East coming up at nine o'clock on the other side. Who was at the Rose Bowl? Plus Jim Harbaugh's name in the news. I want to throw something James Boyd's way. We'll do it next year on the Fan on a Wednesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, appreciate Stephen Holder joining us there from ESPN. Again, you miss any of that conversation, anything, 1075thefan.com. Take us anywhere. Uh, You can do so. Listen live on the website or download the free app, and uh, you'll see a little pre-roll with the JMV being funny, and then boom, there you go. You hear the fan, 1075935, the fan. So there you go. Uh, James Boyd hanging out with us. I I saw James be petty during the break. He went back and he's. You're not a sports gambler because I said, boy, what you said sounds oh. like you gamble, uh, but you don't gamble. You said, did the Warriors lose last night? And again, that would have been me saying that, you know, if I had some money on in DraftKings or FanDuel. But you were just petty saying, I'm tired of the Warriors. And by the way, they're under 500, but they did beat Orlando, which is good for the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> That's true. But I mean, I'm just looking to see when will the dynasty or the or the I era think it's, I think it's over. over. But I think I, it's done. Buddy. I understand that, but <laughs> I feel like with Steph Curry, I got to see the body, right? Because right. that dude, I will never count him out in anything because he's so incredible to watch but just a little bit of my pettiness coming out here in the morning does any okay is there any pettiness that happens tonight pacers and bucks I think so. I you think, think we get some pettiness because we don't we like al- each other. We almost got pettiness the other night. Yeah, it I think almost it'll be, got to that. I think it'll be chippy. I think they don't like each other, which is what I love, and I think a lot of older NBA fans sort of miss that about the NBA because a lot of these guys are friends and grew up together or very cordial. But these guys, these teams, do not like each other at. Oh, I know that for a fact. I need to see if I can what kind of number I can get on like Giannis, his over under, because I swear he has forty points every time these two teams. Play. Yeah, he's unguardable. <laughs> but I think the Pacers have sort of figured it out. It's like we know Giannis is going to be Giannis because he's an incredible oh, player. Let him have his thirty eight. Yeah, he's yeah, going to go off. But how do we just make it hard on everyone else? And as long as Giannis goes for, he can go for forty five or fifty. Who cares? You know what it sounds the other like? Guys don't go off. Sounds like Gus Bradley. What he's trying to do? I'll let Devontae Adams have his. You it ready for this? Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's I. I backed earlier in the show in the seven o'clock hour. I kind of backed Gus Bradley a little bit, so uh, I'm fine. Giannis is over under tonight, thirty six and a half. Give me the over, <laughs> but in a loss, a close loss. 
Close loss for the Bucks. Close loss for the Bucks. Okay, so the Pacers in in your mind are going to be tonight about ten thirty tonight four and one. We're going to see the Milwaukee Bucks. I Tyrese like that. Halliburton skip down the court after he breaks somebody's ankles or makes his fourth three. I feel, like he's, three, okay? I feel like he's not skipping as much as he used to. That used to be his thing. Of the bench is skipping. He's not skipping as much. So anyway, uh, like Pacers. Barkley, I guarantee. <laughs> Pacers in action tonight coming up 630 pregame. I wanted to throw this your way a couple minutes here. And I, I want you to tell me uh, uh, I'm stupid. I'm fine with that. I have no problem. Are you a are you a Jim Harbaugh guy? I am not. I don't have anything against him. But when I look at Jim Harbaugh, I'm like, you are like a cartoon character. You have the same outfits in your closet. Oh, yeah. He's, he's hung nuts. up, and you wear the right. same thing every day. So I don't know if I can trust a guy like that. Okay. He's a good football coach, though. I, well, okay, so that's my thing. No, I think he, you know, you hear the stories how he wears people thin, you know, there's, yeah. and that's fine, whatever. I also know that, you know, He's won at the highest level, whether it be the NFL uh, NFL, or a couple different places in college. It's not like it's always been blue blood at Michigan. No, it's, it's been Stanford. I mean, he's he's done the damn thing. So I think Harbaugh is a really good coach. I also think, you know, I was talking with a couple different college football people, and this is now becoming a story because he's hired, oh, is it Don Yee that he's hired who's a super agent who's, you know, going to get, look that up if you don't mind, James, who's going to, like he is known to get guys paid and he is an NFL type agent. Many people believe that he has changed. Is that the guy's name that he's changed, um, that he's changed up here because now he's going to get a big deal, right? And he wants to get a deal in the NFL. The reality of Harbaugh, well, there's a number of things. Number one, if Steichen weren't here and this team, okay, if Steichen was not the coach right now and we moved everything like like this year was the mess, right? That they didn't have a quarterback. That Nick Foles was out there. That I mean, you remember that the, That's the Kayvon, I hadn't thought Kayvon about it quite a while. doing the uh, Snow Angels Man. in Matt Life. But if if the mess last year was happening this year, I would be sitting on here on the fan. I would be all in on Harbaugh coming to the Colts. I, I want to be clear. I would be that would be my guy. I would say if you want to make him, you know, I you know, I know fans would be fine with getting rid of Chris Bauer, but if you want to give Harbaugh a little bit more control, I would say the mess you've been through, you know, you know, Ursay, maybe he and Ursay's personalities would get along uh in, in the very end. The baby, give me some Jimmy Harbaugh. I, I would have been on this pulpit absolutely saying it, but it's not. And now the Colts have Steichen, and you love Shane Steichen, you should, and so it's not a Colts story too much. Okay, but I bring it up because I'm going to ask you two questions. One question I'm going to put in your mind. I want you to think of it. Would you rather have Mike Vrabel uh, or Jim Harbaugh? I I want you to think about that. Okay, they've accomplished different things. Um, We understand the differences and maybe one team like a New England would view one differently than the other. I just want you to throw that into your mind. I want you to, to simmer on that for a second. The other thing, because I think Harbaugh's going to the NFL. I think he's going to win the national title on Monday night. Michael Penix will have something to say <laughs> Listen, about that, I hope please. Michael Penix Jr. wins it. Uh, but I think Harbaugh's going to win the national title on Monday. And then there is no doubt all of the, if not even Connor Stallion stuff, just all of the stuff 
level one stuff. It feels like, and I used to cover Louisville Athletics, who has dealt with the NCAA, (laughs) and the NCAA was after them, was after Patino's ass, was after these guys, okay? They had been after too many people lately, if you've noticed. They've made committees, and they've done all these things to not really go after people. Well, they're going after Michigan football and Jim Harbaugh. I'm a believer in that. And I believe Harbaugh is going to receive further punishment, further suspension. And if he wanted to sign with Michigan, they've offered him the lifetime deal for $11 million, and he hasn't signed it. One reason, they wanted to put the provision in there. You're not going to the NFL. We'll give you all the money, James. You're just not going to the NFL, buddy. I I, I hate to tell you, uh, you're going to stay here at Michigan. So I think he wins on Monday. I think he is in the NFL. And a lot of people, if I made you pick, would your mind go to the Chargers as the first place that he might want to go because of Herbert? Would that if I said, "Hey, Harbaugh's in the NFL," where would you where would your mind immediately go first? To me, I think everyone thinks the Chargers. It probably is the Chargers. I had to think about who else is in disarray right now and might be looking for a new coach. But for him, if I'm the coach, I'm looking for who is the most talented player I can get with, and it is Justin Herbert, who is a, a very good quarterback, but they're in a really tough spot. Like I think oh, that job they don't is have any fans. a lot more Yeah, they don't have a home field advantage. People think. And it, beyond the fans, like their books, their cap space, they don't have any picks. Like it, It's just a really unique team because they built it with this idea of being good right now, and they're awful. And so you paid your quarterback, you spent all this money on different guys, and you have nothing to show for it. So... It is going to be a difficult um, road to hold, but I do think that um, that's probably where my mom would go first. He's been West Coast. He's won college. He's won NFL West Coast. Yeah. Well, let me ask you LA this. It's nice, it, man. It, it, it's not too bad, even though you literally have no fans. Uh, not one. James, they don't They don't have a fan. Look, I'm a fan of the sun, <laughs> of so the money. LA wouldn't be Dude, bad to me. I, I just, does, does I'm asking you, seriously. Seasonal depression has to be something. Oh, I feel yeah. like I've been seeing. Mark, think- when's the last time you saw the sun? <laughs> Corbin, do you know the last time you saw the sun, buddy? It's not been in this studio, that's for sure. There's no windows in here. <laughs> There's no window in here. Yeah, they it's got me the- in detention, y'all. It's not yeah. even. It's not even the detention room that we're in for three hours. <laughs> I'm just talking about like the sun. It makes you feel better about everything about the day. Anyway, uh, let me ask you this about Harbaugh, and here's how it relates back to the Colts because you guys hate this team, okay? Why would Jim Harbaugh not be the de facto GM and the head coach next year for for the New England Patriots? Because we all agree the Belichick's gone. I mean, don't, don't we all think that's the case? Yeah, but the Belichick's gone. Why, why wouldn't you go get? I mean, you've already shown if you're Robert Kraft, you don't mind giving up a little bit, uh, right? Uh, of of letting you let Bill Belichick. Uh, get the groceries, right? I mean, we always use that. We let him draft the players and coach the players and and everything else. So why would you go away from that? And Harbaugh would be the best guy out there. I guess my point is it hasn't been talked about. You know, Harbaugh is going to leave. He gets a new agent and people immediately go to L.A. And I understand why, because Herbert is the prize. We make no mistake yeah, about he's it. A dude. He 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 is a dude, and he has ultimate instability around him. But why would it not be? Go ahead, Mark. Why would it not be New England? Well, why? I would say I, I I was thinking that New England or Washington would be 
two ideal spots for him because you're probably going to have coaching changes at both, and you're going to have top three picks at both. And, and you're going to have desperation. So you get at your, both. You get your pick of the litter when it comes to quarterbacks, assuming the Bears trade out of the number one pick again. So you'd probably want to get your hand stamp guy at number uh, number two or number three. And then you can just build the roster from there. So I could totally see where the Patriots are like, we need to get back in the winning ways of things. Let's throw $10 million at Harbaugh yeah. per season. I mean, why not? He, he can. Belichick already has had the head coaching and GM duties previously, so it's not like it's going to be a big change of pace for the Patriots organization to have the head coach be the GM in, in essence. Like, there, it can't so. be a Belichick guy. Like, Gerard Mayo's name has been out there, but it's like, that's a Belichick. You're just doing the same thing, and that guy's never been a head coach. So... Here's my yeah, question. Yeah, go ahead. Do you think that it will be putting too much, not putting too much, but giving him too much power to make him the GM also? In New England? Well, yes. does Robert Kraft want to kind of separate things? Now that Belichick would be gone, does he want to say, hey, now that now that the big dog's gone, now we need to reshuffle some things yeah, I'm serious. in like, our do organization? Do like a know. new era of sure. how we do things? Because that's the one thing that you have heard about Jim Harbaugh is like he is a control freak. Oh, it's his way or the highway. Right. And I'm like, that works, but will it really work when he has complete and total control of building your team? I don't know. And and I'm I'm just a personal believer that it can become too much if you're doing two jobs as one person. And maybe you can't see things clearly as the coach versus being the GM. You gotta be like you have to be very, very cutthroat and deliberate with every decision because you can't let the voice on one shoulder get in the way of the voice on the other shoulder. And that's why I think it's always good to have maybe two people in those two different roles. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I guess let, let's move that aside. Who's the best that's going to be available? Who is the best coach that is going to be available? And it's going to be him. It has to be and him. If it, and, and, I, and I say this from a Colts perspective, get his ass out of the AFC. Because, I mean, <laughs> listen, he's weird as hell, man. They win. They win. I mean, Mark, if Chicago didn't keep, if they didn't just get a new GM, and their GM uh, polls, right? Yep. I mean, he, 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 listen, he flees Carolina oh, yeah. last year. I mean, so uh, he ain't yeah, going anywhere. Side, I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> like, like, it's... Call the fans. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You still it, got a 2025 second round pick yeah, next I, year. I mean, so. yeah. There's still just a second pick dangling out there as Bryce Young loses every single mm-hmm. game. Uh, but yeah, if Chicago weren't in the situation they were in, I'd be, I'd be yelling and screaming. Uh, yeah. I mean, every, everyone should, but we always put him at an outpost. Why is he going to take over the Raiders or the Chargers who have 19 different fans and they have AI statues that are all in the stadium? And it's like, well, what if he went to like the most historic place? Uh, he's got roots it. in Chicago. I mean, he, he's played there before, so it's not like the, it's not unfathomable that he could go the back stinky, to Chicago. The stinky cologne here is you have a guy like Robert Kraft who mm-hmm. is desperate. And yes. hasn't been desperate. And that's what you see with David Tepper. That's why he's throwing drinks on Jacksonville fans, is because he's sitting here saying, Well, I, I got twenty I got twenty one billion dollars, James. Uh, why I have succeeded in all of these different ventures. Yeah. I am now in the in the in the ultimate in public good old boys club and I have and I have made the most embarrassing deal uh to to Matt Eberflus. Somebody yeah, and- somebody in the chat said, Oh, <laughs> Uh, Harbaugh wouldn't want to replace Belichick because that's the guy you're, you're replacing the man. I'm like, I think I, the perfect time to replace I, Belichick I, I is after this season. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't oh, think he, he cares. You don't think that reinvigorates the no. fan base if you get Jim Harbaugh to make you know your no. your next quarterback selection? Tony East going to join us in 15 minutes before break. I want to ask you this, and Mark, since you're here as well, what would quickly what would you guys do 
with Justin Fields. And I don't mean, because now everyone's like, Chicago has a has a difficult... No, Chicago's made their mind up. They're not going to keep Justin Fields. They don't... Ooh, t- I think right. Right. Okay. Well, I don't think they've made up that, their brother. mind. You, you guys don't think so. See, I, I feel like they've made up their mind away from Justin Fields. The interesting th- thing to me would be what they get and who would want him on the other end. I think they keep him, actually. Really? Because he's a proven commodity. You know what you're going to get. And I get all the hype around oh, Drake boy. May, Caleb Williams... You don't know what they're going to be in the NFL. You know what you have in Justin Fields. I think you keep them, extend them, and then figure out how to build your roster around them. Oh, see, to the, me, it's to me, it's and Caleb. Will, it's Caleb Williams, not not even Drake May. Yeah, but you'd be paying your quarterback nothing. You really think they keep Justin Fields? What do you I, think? I think. I, I mean, did you hear Soldier Field on Sunday? They were chanting "We want Fields" to from the crowd. So I, 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 oh I think they've. I think they've got really? some big decisions At the very ahead least, and... it's not a cut and dry thing. No. That I thought because I was on your side. Yeah, see, that's where like, I am. Maybe a month and a half ago, <laughs> but then they actually showed some promise. And then the reason why I think that they would stick with him is because the first two years he was there, they did nothing to help him at all, which isn't his fault. And sure, got to go back and look. Well, at they had to bring in a new GM, but the I new GM, that, but... the new GM, new coach could be used against him as well. I know it could be used for him, and it could be used against him. But My... I think he's shown enough to be like this could be. So our you're guy. taking Fields then, and and you're gonna have to pay Fields something mm-hmm. over yeah. paying your quarterback nothing for at least four years and a guy like Caleb Williams. I get that, but Boy, they can't do that. The Bears still have triple digits worth of salary cap available next <laughs> season. I mean, I could. Mark's I could dreaming see it. over there. Look I, at him. He's I dreaming. Thought, no. Because I thought initially, like halfway through the season, I'm like, well, Fields is gone. Even sure. Fields is gone. Yeah. I think they both might be back. To be quite well, I, honest. That's I what think I'm the, saying. So if you got the only thing, like a second rounder, would that tempt you guys? We talked about this with Gardner Minshew. And you're right. If, if the Colts had like a high two for Gardner Minshew two months ago and they made the move, uh, you know, whatever. But if a, like a fifth rounder, obviously Fields is more valuable than that. But the team's going to have to pay Fields. I don't know. You, you think they can get a two from him? Is oh, that man, enough? I mean, look what the Colts got for Carson yeah. Wentz when he was on his way out. Washington gave him, what, two first, two second round picks or whatever. Yeah. So I think I think Ryan Poles made the Montez Sweat deal giving away that second round pick, knowing he could always recoup it if he needed to. But I agree with you. I, on I that. still think they might. Interesting. They might keep him. I hope I'm wrong. I got no problem. I, I have no. I have no real like hot take on it. I just figured he was gone. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, with that as well. Tony East coming up in uh, what about 15 minutes or so. We'll talk some Pacers with him. NFL incentives. Have you seen some of these? There's some good ones. And obviously, Colts Texans. We'll keep the conversation going. It's a Wednesday here on the Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, it's a Wednesday here on The Fan, hanging out with you, Andy Sweeney, James Boyd. James joining us from The Athletic. We appreciate him hanging out. KB back at it tomorrow. We have the voice of God. Corbin is uh, running things today. Mark Dighton is is training him, lording over him. Corbin, let, let us hear your voice again. Go ahead. G- give us a take. Are you a Colts fan? You a Hoosier fan? What are you? I'm an all-Indiana fan. Listen all to that Indiana. voice. What do you want him to say? James, next hour, I want you to think of, we need him to say stuff. Listen to that voice. It just sounds cool. Like, I, Corbin, I will I will. You sound, prob- like, you sound like radio. You yeah. understand that, right? You sound like radio. That boy sound good. That's what they tell me. <laughs> that boy sound good. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? We got we to gotta use Corbin's voice in some sort of way. I'm not sure what we're allowed to do, the hours you're going to put on your timesheet at the end, but we need you to do something. Uh, Tony East going to join us coming up here uh, in about seven or eight minutes. I want you to tell me, James, if I'm being sensitive on something. Is that okay? 
That's okay. Okay. Uh, because you're a man who, uh, you don't need the sensitivity when it comes to sports, okay? Uh, so yesterday, the NFL reminded its teams via video. So the Colts and Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans all got this video, okay? In fact, I mean, to put a little nugget in your ear. Might not be a bad thing to maybe even ask Steichen. Now, he's leading up to this week. He may not want to answer it this week. trying to set me up, y'all. Uh, but, but uh, you know, the disaster that happened where the ref didn't understand who was reporting yeah. as eligible, you know, in the game-winning play Saturday night in Dallas. And it's a huge play. And it's a, it's it's huge. Now Dallas owns the tiebreaker yeah, to be the two seed. And Dallas is going to win the NFC East. And that play matters so very much. Okay, so Absolutely. that I mean, I know Colts fans, it's AFC. But in the NFC, again, Dallas is going to be the two seed. And that game, because of head-to-head, that game went a huge way in Detroit being the three, Dallas being the two. And then Dallas on top of it with the win. I mean, I think it's, you know, they're going to win the NFC East. And it's going to be quite the collapse there with the Eagles, regardless. So that happened. And the refs were wrong. And the NFL won't say it. There is no accountability. It's how David Tepper gets a $300,000 fine. There is little accountability to anything, especially officiating. And I don't want to even go down that road, even though it's a super easy take to have and everyone cheers and they say the radio guy's saying the thing that makes the most sense. I'm not even going to pivot in, in a different way. I am just... I mean, just read from ESPN. The <laughs> NFL reminded its teams that players bear the burden of ensuring they have properly reported as eligible receivers. Uh, and they need to be clear about them. It's the responsibility of the player to be sure that change in status is clearly communicated to the referee by both a physical signal with his hands up and down in front of its, uh, in front of his chest and to report to the referee his intention to report as an eligible receiver. Am I being sensitive in saying, ah, yes, yet again, the NFL not saying anything about their officials who got it wrong, but saying something to the teams, the team, in this case, the Detroit Lions, got it right by not only telling the ref at the time, it was Decker, right, the lineman, hey, I'm the eligible player, but also the coaching staff, including Dan Campbell, telling the refs before the game, that this is what they were going to do, something that is beyond common, that every NFL analyst, right, every former player who's on ESPN, you guys at The Athletic, everybody's saying, hey, this happens every game. Every coach does this. Campbell did what is... So the team did what they were supposed to do. I guess we were always going to get a reminder, but it just makes me think, of course the NFL would do this and be silent on their official who absolutely blew one of the bigger calls this year in the NFL. Yeah, I don't get that. I think I agree with you. Just say you're wrong. And even if it doesn't change the outcome of the game, obviously. Which it's not. At least you're not gaslighting a group of people who clearly saw you get it wrong. That's the part that is so bothersome about this entire thing for me is we saw you on tape. There's proof that they went over there and reported all those things. And then you're like, well, actually, no, that's not well actually anything. So I think it's uh, a bit annoying that 
they just won't say our guy got it wrong and we'll work to get it right in the future. But just saying, well, actually, you all should have did X, yeah. Y, Z. You need to raise your hand. You, I mean, need to, like, you need to rub your belly. You need to. And I, I, mean, just, I mean, come on. Could the Lions have been less deceptive in how they reported it? Yes. But that's part of the gamesmanship of it. And the fact that they went over the play beforehand. I'm like, you have to be ready. We expect players to play at their best, coaches to coach at their best. Refs, you got to be at your best. And, you know, Brad Allen and his crew, they weren't at their best. That's, and it's, it's, it's not okay, but it is okay to admit that you were wrong, which That's sounds the point. just so dumb That's to the me. Point. I'm like, this is ridiculous. It, it's just, it's silliness. And again, they were always going to, because of what happened on Saturday, they were always going to send something to all 32 teams. They were always yeah. going to do that yeah. and say, hey, guys, remember uh, remember the protocol here or there. It just, it, 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 it when they, when you don't acknowledge and there, there is no, I don't want to say punishment, on one end, even when you send this to all 32 teams, it's how, it's it's a little bit of victim shaming. By the way, Justin Justin Hobbs on Twitter says, make Corbin karaoke Johnny Cash. Maybe something uh-huh. we could do. Yeah, maybe something we Corbin could do. Corbin looking like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> well, Corbin, you come up with something then that you want to do. Uh, let's take a break. Tony East joins us next here on The Fan on Wednesday. Nine o'clock hour broadcasting live from the drivehuber.com studios. Andy Sweeney, James Boyd hanging out with you. KB back in the saddle coming up tomorrow. Uh, Tony East going to join us here in just a second. Pacers in action tonight. You'll like this, James, before we get Tony on. I had uh, I was closing on my home in southern Indiana last Friday. We finally sold that, which is great. That wire hit the bank account. I felt like uh, yeah, I, sir. I felt like I was uh, rich at some point. Yeah, you know, that money, that money's gone. It's gone to the other one, but for for a moment in time, I had to take a I had to, I had to take a screenshot. And Dang, I missed my shot. I should have been asking for a loan <laughs> exactly. that I don't have to pay back. The, uh, there'll be points on it. You don't worry. So the guy, uh, so one the, the the dad of the guy who's buying the house, young couple and everything. He goes, uh, he goes, man, what's uh? I know you live in Indianapolis now. He goes, what's trying to get a hotel room in February. In, in Indy, what's going on? I'm like, I'm like, and it's that exact week. I'm like, man, that's the NBA All Star Weekend, brother. Too late, my he's brother. Like, he's like these hotel rooms, like five hundred dollars. They're usually one hundred twenty five. I'm like, yep, that's what we do. That's what everyone does uh, with a with a big event. Good set. calendar year Dude, for events I, in Indianapolis. I was going to bring that up. It. I know everyone's talking and writing about that now. Uh, it really is. Let's get Tony East in here. Locked on Pacers podcast, si.com. Many places you can find his work. Tony, uh, good morning. How are you today? I'm good. I'm uh, excited to be a part of this lovely indie sports here, and congrats on the house sale, Andy. That's oh, exciting. dude, it's uh, it's something that needed to happen here. We've been uh, <laughs> we've been we've been the su- sweating a little bit. It's just a, it's just a long process, right? It's just a long damn process, uh, but we got it done. Uh, and so, yeah, I was I was last Friday while you guys were all you know it's it's a holiday weekend, so you know banks and everything are closed. You know, early Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday, and Monday, and they're like, yeah, if the wire doesn't hit your account tonight. It'll hit on Tuesday, and I'm like, you you think I'm gonna be able to sit here oh, all no. night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday <laughs> while this money's out there in uh, Chase Bank land? What been are we doing in that house until it cleared? Like <laughs> exactly. it's still mine. So, so I was I was refreshing, but we were good at about four o'clock on Friday. Uh, so yeah, so Tony, appreciate you joining us. L- let me ask you this: um, three and one are the Pacers against the Bucks this season. Why is that? Is why is that the case? Why are the Pacers playing so well against this Milwaukee team? In your mind, uh, for me, it's that the Bucks 
perimeter defenders have been terrible against the Pacers. And the Pacers deserve credit for punishing this, but you just saw it on Monday, you know, again, that the the Pacers guards can get wherever they want, right? Like Benedict Matherin's getting to the paint on a lot of his touches. TJ McConnell can get to his whatever slithery spot he's trying to get to and get to his little six foot fadeaway and Halberton can get wherever he wants. And that's been huge for them. And the Bucks perimeter defense hasn't been particularly good. They have some shorter guards. Malik Beasley's kind of slow footed, but you know, for a Pacers team that talks about at their best, they're playing paint to great, right? They get the paint and they play from there. It's kind of easier for them to do that against the Bucks because they, the, the Bucks get, stop them and keep them in front. It's a similar problem that the Pacers were having for a lot of the season. And you, know, you really saw that on Monday, like in clutch time, it was a close game. And the Pacers said, we're just going to drive at Malik Beasley over and over again and score. And I think that's been a big problem for the Bucks all season and particularly against the Pacers. And some other things have gone the Pacers way with, you know, some, some poor opponent shooting in their favor and things like that. But I think that's been the key thing is that it's really hard for the Bucks to, make the Pacers uncomfortable. So they're always able to be in these games and they've done well to capitalize. I know this may sound crazy and this is not, listen, this is not me being a Pacer honk here. I just, I look at Milwaukee and I love the top part of, of their lineup, right? They're starting five. I, you know, I, you know, even, even Bobby Portis is a solid player, could be a starter on some teams, at least a couple of years ago, he could have been a starter. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't think, and again, the Pacers have their own issues, and the Bucks are twenty four and nine on the year. I just don't love the back end of the roster or the bench in Milwaukee. Am I crazy? And I think that has something to do with it. When they go to the bench, the Pacers can go to the bench, and the Pacers have better players on their bench. Yeah, every, the the one time the Bucks won was the game where Portis was great. He had nineteen points, I think, and Marjan Bochamp hit some shots. Like their bench was actually good. But every other game in this series this season, the Pacers' bench has just kicked the Bucks' bench butt because they have way more depth, and that's been a strength for the Pacers all year. But particularly in the if you're right on that the Bucks' bench hasn't – they need another guy. They need two other guys. Right. And like, they can't afford an injury. Like, Jay Crowder's out, and all of a sudden they're playing, you know, a, a second-round rookie or someone who's just really inexperienced, and maybe that's fine long-term, but – they're trying to win right now. So I, they definitely need their guy or need to get healthy but because they, they can barely afford one injury, and the Pacers have exploited that too. So, Tony, I want to pivot a bit because you mentioned defense. Damian Lillard, not known for that. Obviously, Malik Beasley, not known for that either. Their <laughs> defense is pretty bad. You know where I'm going with this. So you have a tweet up that was my favorite to close out 2023. <laughs> Even dating a pretty girl gets boring <laughs> after a while. She can't guard Rick Carla out of context about his team. But by the way, can I pause you? Tony, you got so much run on that tweet. You had to have how many tens of thousands of interactions on that tweet, did you not? It was weird. It's the, it's the most imp, like impressions I've ever gotten on a tweet. I, I, I did not expect that. I mean, it was very funny. Don't get me wrong. But Hilarious. Good for you. That to be the one. It's a good end to 2023. So, Rick Carlisle confirmed yesterday that his wife Donna can guard. So I want to ask, <laughs> how is Margot doing and helps side defense? Here's the problem, James. She is five one, so she's getting she's getting cooked on her size. <laughs> she's just she's not she's gonna have some issues. I mean, she's we, being posted we gotta, up. I mean, we gotta do something, man. We gotta get some 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 reps in, some help side, some shell defense drills. But no, in all seriousness. 
when it goes to the Pacers' defense, what do you think has been the difference for them to be able to lock in and win a game like they did the other night where they didn't shoot the ball very well, didn't score a ton, but were able to get over the top? Yeah, Tyrese Halliburton talked about that in the locker room. You know, every time they win with defense, he, he smiles. with everybody out. Defense! You know, everybody criticizes the <laughs> defense. Make sure you're positive about it now. Look, it's weird to say this because they're still 28th on the season in defense, but they had that practice, I think, on December 19th, might have been the 21st, right before they played the Hornets. Yep. And yep. they, like, simplified things on defense and tweaked a little bit of what they wanted to, like, give up and – Really made it a point of emphasis, like, hey, you're going to defend or you're not going to play. And they ch- they also changed the starting lineup since then. But since then, they have defended pretty well, like, uh, every game. And and the first five games they played were against teams that aren't particularly awesome on offense. But then they played the Knicks and Bucks, and still defended those teams pretty well. Like, something that day and the little bit of the changes they made, including the lineup change, have really clicked for them on the end of the floor in a meaningful way, and they're giving up way fewer points than they were. Like, that, but for a while, the, their line of winning and losing was giving up 124, which is a crazy high number, but, like, they had two losses giving up less than 124 up to Christmas, right? Wow. And then they've given up less than that, like, six times since then already. Their defense is clearly at a little bit higher of a level for many reasons, uh, but against the Bucks, you saw that be really important on – on Monday, where the Pacers shot awful, and they did a lot of other things well, Nick. Yeah, they didn't turn it over. They got a bunch of offensive rebounds. But when the game was on the line in the fourth quarter, they got a lot of stops in a row, right? And that's been a big struggle for them all season. And I think it's really impressive that they've been able to, to ratchet that up. It's still not a strength, to be clear. But given how good their offense is, they just have to be, like, kind of bad on defense to win, and that's been the level they've been the last couple weeks. Tony East joins us, SI.com Locked on Pacers podcast. Uh, I want to get to the OG Ananobi trade. I'm sure you'll have thoughts on that. I want to do that here in just a second. A couple different times there in that answer, you mentioned the lineup changes. And that last Tuesday before the Houston game, uh, you know, KB and I were interviewing Carlisle and he said, hey, listen, he basically told us, we're going to make a change here. Neesmith starting lineup, Jalen Smith in the starting lineup, Andrew Nemhard in the starting lineup. And it's been uh, pretty good. I I mean, four straight wins with that lineup. Now, Nemhart is injured. What do you think Carlisle does? Who do you think goes back into the starting lineup? I'm still thinking Bruce Brown doesn't play tonight. Uh, does that move up Matherin? What do you think he does? Perhaps Buddy Heald as well. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they turned to Buddy without Nemhart in the second half against the Bucks, and, and the thing about Buddy is he's had his best playing with Tyrese Alburn. Everybody is, but you know, Buddy Yield in particular, his whole career has had a really good partnership there, and he's been really struggling. You know, December was not Buddy Yield's best month. He did not make a shot on Monday at all, and, and a lot of his value is tied to making shots. A lot of players is, but him in particular, given what he's good at, that's the case. So I think they, just given we saw them use Buddy Yield as the fifth guy, on Monday, I think he'd, he'd be the answer. But, I mean, they've really leaned into defense with the starting group, right? That's been a lot of the success of it. And they talked about the defense and the size being, you know, big parts of their adjustment. It would not surprise me if Matherin gets the nod because 
he might be the best defender option left of their guys if they don't have Nemhard or Brown. And I don't think they'll be without both of those guys for a particularly long time. But if they if they want to lean into defense, and especially tonight because they're playing a Bucks team that Matherin has been fantastic against all season, two of his best probably four games this year have come against Milwaukee. It would not surprise me if they turned to Matherin, uh, given who they're playing. But I think the fact that they chose Heald for that second half uh, Monday night and, and his long track record of being Tyrese's running name means maybe they'll just go to that and, and he'll be the first sub and be an important guy at the bench still. Tony, we look at Ben and the things he's had to kind of work his way through throughout his career. How have you seen him maybe mature in finding a role or finding a different role just to affect the game? I know the other night he grabbed a career high 13 rebounds. Yeah, it's really interesting because we spent all offseason, and I think this is the right things to discuss, but you're talking about his shooting and his passing and all these things he needs to improve at, and, and he still does. But the thing that's kind of like transformed him and, and when he's at his best is the thing that you can tell he's worked on the most is just making quick decisions, right? Like the Popovich .5 rule. When he catches it, within half a second, is he dribbling, shooting, or passing in a meaningful and productive way? Because he is good at, like, sizing up his man and driving and drawing a foul. He was really great at that last year as a rookie, but – a lot of times within how the Pacers play with their random fast style and moving the ball around as fast as they can, everybody's flying around. Like, you got to keep moving and you got to keep the ball moving. And so for him, it's just been catch. And if you're open, shoot the three. Like, don't fake and, and put it on the floor and then shoot, just shoot it. And if you have a lane to attack, do it. And if you have a lane to pass, do it. And I get why he's like, that isn't his natural instinct. But for him, that has changed what he's. His season, right? Like, he's looked a lot better when he's doing that stuff. Carlisle keeps talking about how he keeps getting better and better at fitting into what the Pacers are doing, and I agree. He looks more comfortable with that all the time, and you still see moments where he tries to be Ben Matherin, and sometimes that's the right decision where he catches and sizes up the situation, but when he is keeping things moving and getting his shots up quickly, he looks great, and he looks more comfortable with that every day, and for a guy that is good at, at, you know, getting past his man or creating an advantage off the dribble, He's still finding ways to do that, and now he knows kind of where those spots are coming from. So you're just seeing him get more comfortable at making quick decisions in a way that makes Ben Matherin Ben Matherin and still makes the Pacers great. Tony East joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. OG Ananobi over the weekend. I know uh, there were some Pacer fans that were like, oh, damn, you know, kind of wanted that guy to get straight into the Knicks. Emmanuel quickly, R.J. Barrett, go to Toronto. Was that a guy that you wanted on this Pacer team? And I guess overall, you know, within the Eastern Conference and the Pacers, you know, that player being off the table, what did you make of the trade? He's a, he's a great fit, right? And it, it's not a secret that it's been reported by every outlet for years and years and years, right? Like, the Pacers certainly would have liked to have Ananobi on their team. And everything they need or lack in general, whether that's, you know, a, a, a four-sized player who can initiate a little bit and can shoot and can defend, most importantly, he is all of it, right? He's like the perfect, in theory, player for them in terms of what his usage would have been. It would have been a pretty seamless fit. Um, I thought that was pretty good value for the Raptors to get though, mostly because I think Emmanuel quickly is awesome, and they're already 1-0 with Barrett and quickly in the lineup. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good against Cleveland the other night. Um, it, it's hard to, you know, you look at it from a Pacers perspective to know what their comparative price would have been without knowing how the Raptors feel about the players they got, right? Because it seems like they sure. got a, Barrett's 23 
but his contract's not great. Like it's hard to find a good comp for that on the Pacers. And with that, again, if they loved quickly so much, like do they love any Pacers young player in that way? So it's, it's hard to say exactly what a comparable trade would have been, but I mean, he would have been an awesome fit. I think the Pacers would have been willing to pay, to pay a price to get him at some point without overpaying, of course. Uh, but yeah, that changes the dynamics of the East meaningfully. Like, the, the, the other ripple effect of this that hurts the Pacers beyond not getting in and Obi is the Knicks were half a game behind him in the standings when right. they got him, right? Right. So the, the, they're right on their tail now. Uh, they're going to be good. They've been good in the postseason before. The Raptors maybe are a little better, too, funnily enough. And it changes those sort of standings dynamics and makes things a little harder for the Pacers that way. And now the eyes go to Siakam, right? The, the, he's the Pacers guy they turn to now. He would still be an offense that he can defend. And he's a much better offensive player than Ananobi, at least in terms of being a shot creator. So that's, I think, the other ripple effect is, do the Pacers have interest in Siakam still? Uh, I, I would imagine that they do. The, the, the salary parts of that trade would be interesting, but I think that's the, the next step for this. Is Does Toronto want to move him, or do they want to build around him still with the guys they have? Me and James were talking about this during the break, and Tony East with us. How about that Caitlin Clark 40-burger uh, oh. step back, uh, what is it, 25-footer, uh, 30-footer to win the game last night? What would you think of that? So nasty. As you can see, it was all over her, right? They were not letting her get the ball, and she still, she still got it to go. I, I, I'm actually mad about the highlights specifically because Peacock's clock ruined it. The buzzer went off before the shot went up on the broadcast but in the arena. Clearly, it was a, it was a good shot, so that ruined the highlight a bit. Oh, she's just, she's just phenomenal. Still, know she's going pro, but. Man, man, would she be? I'll tell you this. <laughs> James is excited, by the way, Tony. Yeah, yeah. She, he's she's, hyped up. She's turning pro. I talked to her. We had a conversation. I told her, hey. Per sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah per me. But um, no, I found it funny, though, that Aaliyah Boston was actually on that broadcast team. That's so, right. Tony, is this like next level recruitment? Like, is this tampering? Like, how, where this does this is, fall This is like in the... big three Miami Heat, LeBron James, yeah. Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade I'm type like, stuff. how do you, is this just Aaliyah Boston showing her expertise in other areas? Like, how do you discern this? What are the odds Aaliyah Boston ends up not SEC broadcast or planet is in on the big time broadcasts, the one year they need her to potentially recruit Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying, the like, the wheels are turning, my friend. Like this is this is high level stuff here. But I will I do want to ask real quick about tonight's game regarding the Pacers. I know there's been a lot of talk about the ball and the rivalry, all those things, but given where the Pacers were in years past, Tony, how refreshing is it to actually have conversations like this where you're like, Man, this team is going toe to toe with one of the teams that people pick to be in the finals this year. It's been great. I mean, it's you know you the Pacers for a year like they never beat the Bucks. <laughs> like you know they with a shrug and it's good blue and they have three wins against them. Like they the they're before the season three wins ago for them against the Bucks was like you get to like 2016 or something. Like they they never beat that guy and now they they can because their offense is fantastic and. They can beat anybody at their best. I think that's been the interesting part of their season. Of course, everyone knows they can also lose to anybody, but they've beaten the Bucks several times, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Heat, and the Bucks specifically, they've done well in a matchup that they, they stunk in before. And I think that speaks a lot to their growth and maturity. Tyrus Albert talked a little bit about that on Monday after the win, that they're able to have a bad game in some sort of scale, whether that's defense, whether that's shooting, whether that's whatever. They can overcome it and win because they are a 
you know, they are talented now. They have guys who can help them overcome certain struggles in ways that they haven't in the past and against the Bucks specifically. Like, they haven't really shot that well against Milwaukee this year, right? In any game, in, in any of their four games. But they've been able to win for a variety of other reasons. They deserve a lot of credit for that. But the fact that a team that was such a boogeyman for the Pacers for years, like I think the Bucks won 10 in a row against the Pacers at one point pretty recently. The fact that they've been able to just completely overcome that hurdle so fast, and I know the Bucks made a big trade in the summer, but it speaks a lot to how much better the Pacers are this year than past seasons. Well, I want to let the audience in on a fun fact that I think the Pacers should actually thank the Bucks, and before everyone goes, boo, what the heck is he talking about? <laughs> I will never forget when Herb Simon spoke to the media last, which was in 2021, he said, I love my little team. Oh, my little that same night that he said that, that same day, later, a few hours later, I was in Milwaukee. The Pacers played the Bucks without Giannis, without Chris Middleton, and got smashed. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, this little team is terrible. So <laughs> after that, they made the trade. Tyrese Halliburton comes to Indiana. He becomes a superstar here. So in some ways, they should really thank the Bucks for smashing them that night in 2021 and I forcing like them to trade I and like make that. a move because, my goodness, was I disgusted with that performance. Wait, I thought you were going to go, uh, and sorry, Tony, I thought I thought you were going to go with, you know, they've, you know, the Bucks have kind of, you know, as one of the better teams in the league, have given the Pacers their stamp of approval by hating them as much as they seemingly <laughs> uh, may, di- may dislike him. Uh, Tony, appreciate the time as always, my man. Again, Locked On Pacers podcast, SI.com, uh, Forbes, many places you can find Tony's work, and we always, always appreciate him carving out a few minutes for us. Tony, uh, have a good week. Enjoy the game tonight, my man. Take care. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, there we go. Tony East with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Were you covering that game in Milwaukee? Yeah, Did I you really traveled every, every game for that yep, year? I traveled, and I remember he spoke to a few members of the media, and I wasn't like in the in crowd yet. I was new on the beat, so I wasn't okay. allowed to go. But now you're on the in crowd. Right, but I was I in, see you talking to every one of these Colts press I'm conferences. I'm trying to, but I know what you're doing. Yeah, I was in Milwaukee that night, and I remember thinking, there's no way he said it, and I ripped them that night. I ripped the team, ripped the owner. I was like, this little team is terrible. Get rid of them. Start over. And thankfully, they did. And now you have a, a player who – I knew Tyrese Halliburton was good when they traded for him, but I'd be lying uh, if no, I thought no, he was going to be borderline like top 10 player in the oh, league. Yeah. Well, starting the All-Star game, yeah. other guys are going to gravitate like, towards him. He's the he's yeah. a, If you're a scorer, he's the type of guy yeah. that he's you want to play with. He's an NBA player and. For those who don't know, they pick 15 players for that. So, in my opinion, this year he'll be All-NBA, which makes him mm-hmm. a legitimate top 15 player in the league and possibly top 10. You know, I'm trying to remember, and I just don't off the top of my head. We need to go back during the break. You know, like uh, ESPN, you guys at The Athletic, you come up with these lists, top 100 players. You know, the NFL Network does that yeah. with the NFL. And, they, and, of course, they stagger it and they make it a television <laughs> show, which is what they should do, you know? Uh, they make it a TV show and everything. But you look at a guy who's, you know, Zaire Franklin, like, he probably comes to mind. Uh, if Anthony Richardson balls out next year, Anthony Richardson will go from not being on the list maybe to number 40 or something like that. If Zaire Franklin goes from 92 to 62, you know, you see guys make a big jump and then obviously it goes uh, it goes down if you have a bad year, injuries, whatever it may be. Halliburton is that in the NBA? Yeah, he was number 21 on ESPN's okay. list. Is that of, before the season? Yes. So I wonder what he was last year. Because even that number, he'll be way higher at the end of this year. He'll be higher than 21. Yeah, he's a top 20 player yeah. for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So, uh, again, 6.30, our coverage tonight here on The Fan. 3-1 and one are the Pacers against the Bucks. All right, we have Pop Quiz coming up at 9.30, and then a Colts story 
I'll tease it that I don't know if it's been talked about. I don't know how to talk about it. We'll do that also before we get out of here on a Wednesday. But before any of that, let's get into a check down. Yeah, it's the big one Saturday night. Colts hosting the Texans in Lucas Oil. We've talked a lot about C.J. Stroud, but what about that Houston defense? You know, we talked with Stephen Holder earlier, and that is one of the big differences from week two to now. Uh, The Texans are a better defensive team. That defensive line, Will Anderson playing much better football. Here's Shane Steichen yesterday on the Texans. They've done a great job overall, but I think, you know, having D'Amico in there, a lot of respect for him and what he did, obviously, in San Francisco and bringing that culture, uh, that defensive culture, and obviously the team culture uh, to Houston says a lot about what he's done. But yeah, they're rushing the passer well. Obviously, Will Anderson, I think he's got seven sacks as a rookie, top draft pick, really good player. You know, Jerry Hughes is still there playing at a high level. Denzel Perriman, the corners are good players. So they're playing at a high level, right? Shoot, it's, it's different, right? From week two to now we're at week 17. We're both different teams. It's going to be a heck of a challenge for us, but shoot, we're, we're fired up for it. Yeah, I would say that Houston defense is the thing we're not talking about, right? We're talking about the young secondary with the Colts. We talk about Gardner Minshew. Can they run the football, the offensive line? Who's going to be healthy on the Houston side? We talk about C.J. Stroud, but we don't talk too much about that defense, who, by the way, has a sack uh, rate, if you will, that's right about there with the Colts. It's not quite as good, but it's right about there. Yeah, and Will Anderson, again, we've talked a lot about C.J. Stroud, but he's looked like a stud too, especially these last few weeks, making a really big impact. I believe he had seven sacks this year. He had two last week. And again, just as we've talked about getting pressure on C.J. Stroud, that's also the key to slowing down Gardner Minshew. And it's up to the Colts and that offensive line to keep him upright, keep him from worrying and panicking. And then if that's the case, obviously your chances of winning the game increase. All right, give me a swoosh, Corbin. There we go. Uh, Purdue winners last night, 67-53. Purdue now 13-1. Overall, they go on the road. They beat Maryland. They get that lead. They keep it at at arm's length. In the second half, Lance Jones, three threes in the first, like three and a half, four minutes, uh, really put things out of reach, became a 20-point game, and at that point, it was over. That stretch, important in the second half. Here's Matt Painter postgame. Well, I thought we made some good plays. We made some good reads. You know, found him a couple times. He, you know, it's, it's those step-in threes. When people cover down against us and they go in there, we get some dribble-throughs, which one of them was. You know, that, that really, you know, got us going. To start the half, you know, he makes those two threes. Braden makes a pull-up. They go right away to the timeout. You know, that, that was huge because that's, you know, finishing the half and starting the half are, are big moments of the game. Yeah, Lance Jones, 33 minutes, had the 11 points, and that stretch there really put it out. Again, 23-point Zach Eady. He was fantastic. Brain Smith fills the stat line, uh, and Purdue marches on 13-1 and on the season. Quickly tonight, Indiana in action on the road. Big Ten Network at Nebraska. Nebraska 11-2 on the season, and i got to be honest, I've seen no Nebraska basketball this year, and I'm looking at James Boyd. I assume you've seen no Is Scotty's Fred Hoiberg is still there, right? Say, look, oh, that's... Freddie Hoiberg. Still collecting like got, a five million dollar paycheck. I'm I got sure. family in Nebraska, and they don't even watch <laughs> the really? Huskers. Oh, yeah, you go. So you Matt Rule guy? Are they are they fans of Matt Rule? They ain't watching none of that. They only moved there because my aunt has a nice Be- job. Because they had to move to Nebraska. Yes, <laughs> understandable. Uh, it's Indiana, Nebraska, nine o'clock on the Big Ten Network. All right, let's take a break. On the other end, two three nine ten seventy three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Pop quiz time here on the fan on the wake up call on this. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wednesday. All right, our first pop quiz of the week. Uh, we got to get a winner. And usually, James, we have weeks where we do very, very, very well, right? We, we might get a winner. We get a couple three out of fives. We get a four out of five. We get a guy who's pretty close. And then other weeks, we don't do so well. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of week this is, okay? I have no idea. Right. I've looked at this. I mean, there's a few on here, I think, uh, that are very gettable, but uh, it's going to be difficult to get that Jiffy Lube oil change. Uh, Mark, should we let you pick the caller number today? Do you want to do that, or do you want to make James be the How evil about James one? Do All right, it. James, give me a number, one to five, just any number. Give me four. Caller number four. Who do we got? Randy. Randy. Good morning, Randy. How are you, ma'am? Uh, doing okay. How are you? Randy, we are fantastic. Uh, have you ever played the pop quiz before? I have. Oh, good deal. Did you? How did you do the other time or times? Did you win? I've come very close okay. before, but uh, never winning except on a freebie Friday. Okay, well, there you go. Well, we appreciate you calling in. Uh, let's hit the music. Let's get it going. All right, question number one. Top-ranked Purdue. They went to Maryland last night, Randy, and they snapped the Terrapins' 19-game home winning streak. The streak was the third longest in the nation. Who currently owns the longest active home court winning streak in men's college basketball? Is it Gonzaga, Oral Roberts, Boise State, or two of the above? Ooh, I like that. Let's go with two of the above. Okay, it's a good start, Randy. Good start. All right, Randy. The next one is IU takes on Nebraska tonight in Lincoln. The Hoosiers lead the Cornhuskers 19-7 in the all-time series. How many times in a row has IU knocked off Nebraska in men's college basketball? Is it 5, A, 5, B, 6, C, 7, or D, 8? No, good luck with that one. We'll go with uh, seven. All right. Question number three. The Pacers face the Bucks tonight at the Fieldhouse. The Blue and Gold have taken three of four from Milwaukee this season. When was the last time the Pacers won the season series with the Bucks? Was it 2019, 2017, 2015, or 2013? We'll go with 2013. All right, question number four. Go ahead, James. On this day in 1973, the New York Yankees were sold to a group headed by George Steinbrenner. Name the corporation that sold the Yankees to the Steinbrenner group. General Electric, NBC, CBS, or Westinghouse? Pretty good financial move. (laughs) <laughs> for old Steinbrenner. General Electric, NBC, CBS, or Westinghouse? What do you got? We will go with uh, GE. 
Okay. Question number five, last one, Randy. No NCAA men's D1 basketball a team has made it through an entire season and the tournament undefeated since, of course, Indiana back in 1975-76. Currently, there are three unbeaten teams. You have Houston, James Madison, and Ole Miss. One year ago today, the final unbeaten team fell, preserving IU status for yet another year. Who was the last team to suffer its first loss in the 2022-23 NCAA men's basketball season? Was it New Mexico, Purdue, UConn, Mississippi State? How about UConn? I'm going to give you a Kevin Bowen. Are you sure on that one? You sure? Okay, well, neither are right. It's okay. That's a difficult one. That's a difficult. The the answer to that one, actually, uh, was New Mexico. And, Scotty, if I'm not mistaken, New Mexico's coached by Richard Patino. Maybe I think that's I think that's the reason I remembered it was just because of the uh, the Patino connection. All right, you got two or three right. That's not too bad. Uh, Top ranked Purdue went to Maryland last night. Uh, who who currently owns the longest active home court winning streak in men's college hoops? Uh, right now, it's Oral Roberts and Boise State have won twenty one in a row at home. Good job by Scotty throwing the Zags in there because I think I would have went I think I would have went with the Zags there. Uh question two, IU, how many times in a row have they beaten Nebraska? You took seven. That's correct as well. And then the losing started. Sorry, uh, Randy. That's what it was. Pacers and Bucks tonight. The last time the Pacers won the season series with the Bucks was back in 2017-18. The Pacers won three of four. Uh, and then the Yankees were sold uh, to a group headed by uh, George Steinbrenner. They were sold him from CBS. And then New Mexico, the final one there. So not too bad. We got what? Two? Get two? Is that? Oh, that's okay. It's not a bad start, James. It ain't bad. You know, pop quiz of twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's right. the first one. I feel confident about that. Randy came in strong. He got a couple right. Yeah, and then he fell apart. Yeah. I'm it surprised me he in college when I was in class. You know, <laughs> you take an exam. I thought I was doing pretty hot. Then you get to that second page, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I uh, ain't really working that well. <laughs> what kind of student was James Boyd? I was a good student, but okay. I'm not going to lie. I would notoriously show up late to class if it was over an hour. Like, if we had a class over, I would be late at least 10 minutes because I was thinking the first 10 minutes, you ain't doing nothing no way. Uh, so, so, you, so you would come in 10 minutes late yeah, on purpose d- d- if it was a long yes, class? Yes, and I remember I had a teacher who said, hey, we got this final. If you come late for the final, you can't You're take done. it. You can't do and it. And I was like, yeah, I'll be on time. I'll be, I'll be 15 minutes early that day. And then when I showed up 15 minutes early, he's like, oh, so you can do it. And I was like, yes. Yeah. When I'm incentivized, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out. I graduated on time. <laughs> oh goodness! I like that. I do like that. Uh, I I I cared. I almost feel like at times I care too much about my grades, given that I'm in sports radio now, and some of the knuckleheads I know in sports radio. Man, in all seriousness, Andy, I actually skipped one of my finals my senior year no, because I was gonna didn't. I was gonna pass the, the class without it. And I was like, do I want to write this 25-page paper or oh. just take this C and get out of here? And The C's get degrees. I was like, you know so what? So what'd you do? I just did, I, I emailed my teacher and I told her, I was like, hey, you're wonderful this semester. I'm not turning this in. Don't even bother reaching out because I'm not going to have it. You know, it's not a mistake. I meant to not turn this in. And she was actually like kind enough. And I believe she gave me like a 50% on it because I was honest about not showing up. You're not doing it. I don't know if I like that. I think you should have got the the full zero percent, fifty percent. I was totally fine with it. I didn't care. Look, the, my GPA. Don't know what it is at this point in time. Can't remember it. Who cares? Oh yeah. Can you Wait, remember your, your GPA your, Mark, in college? Yeah, Mark. Know. Can you remember yours? No, not at all. Who can remember their? Do you think? Do you think Bowen can? 
I don't know. I could see Bowen maybe as I mean, knowing his GPA all you in college. Had to do was my advice to all the college listeners out there: don't turn it in late and finish. That's it. You'll graduate on time if you do that. Just don't turn it in late. Scotty's shaking his head loans. or not with this. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's what you need to worry about is negotiating the damn loans. Twelve hundred a month, exactly three months right. out of college. Dude, what? Are you talking what? About? <laughs> no, whenever I got the calls about, uh, so hey, true. are you do- are you donated to the university? And I'm like, yeah, Hell I'm doing no. it all the time. Yeah. Like, we don't see it. And I'm like, yeah, my student loan payments are. Yeah. I've been making them every every you know every week. You see that new facility month. you put up? I help pay for yeah, that. Yeah, it's exactly. called you. Did you go? Did you go to Illinois? I can't remember. I, did. I, I mean, yeah, that Big Ten money, you're good, man. You're good to go. The TV Big Ten money's better than my fifty dollars in an envelope that I can give you three months out of college. There you go. Uh, I figured you'd like that. Good <laughs> pop quiz. Good way to start off the year there uh, in 2024. A cold story we haven't mentioned, and I, I ran I ran it by James Boyd. If he had anything for it, we'll mention it. It's an odd story. It's a Twitter story, and we'll talk about it next here on a Wednesday on the Fan. All right, final segment on this Wednesday. KB is going to be back in the saddle tomorrow. I'd imagine uh, the Bowens having a fun time. Mark, you know how this is, flying with a bunch of kids. Oh, God. Uh, so uh, God bless them and the people on their flight. I Go ahead, James. I have the utmost respect for parents <laughs> who travel with children because I always think to myself, that is a lot. I don't get mad when kids cry or are upset because that's what kids do. But, man, shout out to the parents traveling, especially around holiday time and a lot of things are going on. Respect. I can relate to Kevin because he said his his kids are in that age where they want to just walk around the aisle. And I'm oh. like, God, I remember just putting up the legs like, nope, stay here. Don't move. You're oh, getting God. the leg work the I'm going to have to. I'm going to. I'm probably, you know, maybe a year, year and a half, two two years, whatever may be away from doing this. You know, no, there's been several times as a uh, as a childless dude that I've been annoyed when someone, sorry, Mark, is carrying oh, okay. the, the 19 different strollers on the plane and everything else. You'll be that dude and now, soon. Yes, and now I'll be the dude. Yeah, I'll, and I'll look at someone else who used to be me in their 20s thinking, look at that jackass. I always think, you know what? Look, I can I can keep waiting. I'm, I'm pretty selfish right now. But in all seriousness, I'm, I've had it happen where the kid's crying in my ear on oh, like a 6 a.m. flight. And I just think, well... Whatever I did, I probably deserve this. So this is my karma. You think it's a it's karma? It's a punishment yeah, yeah, yeah. for something like, you did yeah, in your life. You know, life is just kicking my like you know that. kicking my teeth in a little bit. You know, it's good for, good good to build character that way. Yeah, for the I, most part, people are cool I guess these so. days oh, and they, they understand the and everything and all that. Right. But you will have those occasional ones where you're just like, I can't get this kid to calm down. So Andy, the shoe will be on that foot at some well, point. And uh, you'll be that guy. It's not the call me down if, like you said, James, and James Boyd from The Athletic with us here, final day for him. I'm going to get some final thoughts here, and I know you'll write about it, and obviously you'll have videos up, and and you'll put out what you think is going to happen, but I want your thought on the Colts, and then I want to get to that story. It's it's when the kids are running all over the place, (laughs) and and, then they're misbehaving, and the parents are sleeping. You know, they're reading a book or something like that. Anyway, we can move on to other things. So Bowen's back. Uh, I'm sure he'll have some thoughts. He's been putting up content, uh, you know, as he's been going here at 107.5. Thefan.com. Yeah, take a damn day off, man. But uh, (laughs) if you want to go on the website, he's got you covered. I have my power rankings. Mark, when are you putting your next thing up on uh, on the website? Uh, I did one yesterday. My weekly Sunday scaries, the best and worst of the NFL Sunday week. So that was up. And I'll probably be working on another one shortly. So we'll see. Good deal. So uh, we'll, we'll all be doing that as well. Okay, so I got to ask you about this story. So I did not even see this until uh, until this morning or I guess late last night. Okay, I, I, and he actually tweeted about it on the first. So I am, I don't mind it many. I'm like a day and a half behind on this story. Okay, James, and, and I would have brought it up yesterday. 
Isaiah McKenzie, who is suspended right now. Remember, he and Tony Brown suspended three games. James and I were talking about it during the break. If the Colts win on Saturday, it's a valid question at some point here yeah. to Shane Steichen. Hey, are those two guys, is the suspension going now into the postseason yeah. or are they back? And again, you know, I'm not sure McKenzie's missed. I hate to say it like that as much as, you know, Tony Brown was playing a lot of special teams and a play hero there on special teams can win or lose you a game. We see that in the NFL. Yep. That easily could be the case coming up on Saturday night there in Lucas Oil. So, there is an I and James help me here. There is a, it's a it's a total internet rumor, okay? And I have I have no idea how the bleep this got started, but that Isaiah McKenzie killed a bald eagle, okay? Again, it, it's it, not true. McKenzie on January the first. Again, I just saw this last night on January the first. Put out. It's 2024. Did this on Twitter. It's 2024. So let's start fresh. First things first. I did not kill a bald eagle. That story is false. And my man McKenzie, just one full sentence, no commas or (laughs) periods or anything. Well, it's Twitter. I don't expect much grammar. I'm with you. I'm with you. Grammar. So he's basically saying the story's fake. I didn't kill a bald eagle. I'm not even asking you how how this got started. What do you make of this? And then obviously, uh, you know, he's saying it's not true. It's just it's a total internet rumor, but it's it's very random that that this has now been put out there so much so where his first tweet of the new year while suspended, I might add, was, "Hey, I didn't have anything to do with the bald eagle." Yeah, I think it's him trying to stick up for himself. As he said, this is not true. He was not. Um, suspended for that. I don't know what specifically he did, all those things. However, I will say that it just speaks to the era we're in now. If you get something hot on Twitter, get it rolling, get a few retweets <laughs> and a few blue check marks to retweet it, then it's fact to a lot of people, but it's not true. But I will add with Isaiah in particular, if you're not going to say what you did, even if you don't say what you did, if you just say, Hey, I made a mistake. I'm hoping to get back with the team as soon as possible. Something to that effect. He hasn't said anything too much. He hasn't put out an apology at all. He hasn't put out anything to address what he did to get suspended. So I'm like, is either say that or don't say anything. Because at this point, if you look at the replies, it's, okay, what did you do? Right. And he's not going to say that. So it's like a lose-lose situation in that (laughs) sense where I would have – the first thing he should have done when he got suspended was come out and say, hey, I apologize for my conduct that was detrimental to the team. I'm hoping to get back with him as soon as possible. Go Colts. Simple as that. Right. Instead, this is his first tweet. I yeah, don't know. I mean, and then the other one, I think he had one where he tweeted about, <laughs> you know, his Chick-fil-A order in the morning. <laughs> and that was his first tweet since the suspension became public. And we're just like, everyone, and, and the replies are like, no, 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 you can't just come back talking about Chick-fil-A. <laughs> you know? He's and now they're saying he killed bald, another bird. And so it, it's, with Bald it's, Eagle and Chick-fil-A conversation. And damn it's all it, about James, birds, I yeah, guess. James, you know? James Boyd just wants, he, he just wants a, he wants a statement that you're sorry in a gold Just Colts. say you're sorry, That's man. That's what that he wants. Helps. Uh, the final few minutes of the show, let me ask you this, because again, off air, you're like, I can't wait till Saturday. And I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it yesterday and earlier today. Go back on the podcast center, 1075thefan.com. 
Pinnacle.com in the app, where it's like, you know, you don't know how many of these you're going to get. You know, you don't know if you're going to be in the playoffs every year. Every year's different. You can ask Philly. You can ask Minnesota, the Giants. You can ask uh, a bunch of teams, right? The Chargers thought they were on the precipice, and now they're at the top of the draft. Like, it can change pretty fast yeah. uh, in the NFL. And so, no, I listen, I... I I, I am excited as well. And the two things, we'll probably cut this sound and may play some for KB tomorrow. Uh, Holder was on. Stephen Holder of ESPN was on with us his normal Wednesday in the 8 o'clock hour. And the two things he felt confident talking about were he thinks they're ready to play. Now that that is a, hey, the Colts are going to go out there and win. It's not a prediction, but it's not going to be the lackadaisical efforts that we saw in Cincinnati and in Atlanta. So he's very strong on, hey, they may not win, but they're going to be dialed in. They're going to come out ready. You're going to be jacked up going into this game. And then the second thing, and I agree with this, whether they're a year ahead of time, and it's interesting saying that given that we saw so very little of Anthony Richardson, and by the way, Jonathan Taylor, and by the way, never really saw them together, okay? Uh, one play, I Yeah, believe. one, one play was all that we saw, uh, that he thinks, you know, hey, this offseason, Colts fans are going to be holding Ursay and Chris Ballard's feet to the fire, that it doesn't need to be, you know, seventh-round guy in some positions. You're going to have the money. You have some young talent. You're not going to be paying a lot of money to positions like your left tackle and quarterback as of yet. Uh, so there is some flexibility financially. Would you agree with those two? And then Saturday, I know it's a Wednesday, forecast what you think we may see. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I do think that this is this season has been an example of what they could be more so than what they currently are. And so now you go into the offseason and you have to think about we're not building for a three, four-year plan. What if our plan is next year? I mean, what if they're good enough to win the division next year? I mean, they're good enough to win it this year, technically. Well, that's going to be the conversation, whether they like it or not. Even if they lose, it's going to be, okay, so you take this defensive line and young pieces and you re-sign Pittman and maybe Kenny Moore and get a couple free agents and another draft class exactly. and you're ready to roll. Yeah, yeah think, that's the take. I, I think we might see a little bit different Ballard as far as free agency, draft picks, all of those things because you have to try to maximize and capitalize on this opportunity because, as you mentioned, Andy, it's hard to win in this league, and it's even harder when you once you pay your quarterback. And so you want to try to at least get one run at a deep postseason um, opportunity before you got to break the bank again. Same and then, with the left tackle, man. Exactly. Same with the left tackle. And exactly. some of these pass rushers. Oh, absolutely. And I also think as far as w- the way the game could go, my prediction, 27-24 Colts. Matt Gay gets him over the top with maybe a, a field goal. I don't know if it's final seconds, but... It's got to be a 53-yard field yeah, goal, doesn't like, it? Right. It's got to be from 50. <laughs> but he's like the thing. We talk about X-Factors. Yeah. They paid him all this money in the offseason. We haven't talked about him the last few weeks. I know, he's been a little since shaky. He, since he went through that skid and had the injury and everything else. But I think this is the moment where he and the team go, this is why he paid you the big bucks, made you the gave you the biggest free agent deal for a kicker ever in NFL history. He goes out there, he delivers, and gets him to the postseason. How about off the, off the crossbar, just over Oh man, that'd be drama right there. Boy. Oh man, Mark don't want everybody Mark, to like Mark's freak wanted, out first. Mark's yep. wanting everyone mm-hmm. to pass out or mm-hmm. or do the gasp like they did when the ball went through Speed's hands on the <laughs> exactly. onside kick but I against do the Raiders. It'll be a close game, regardless oh, of the outcome. You would imagine it would have I'm to picking be. them to win, but I think it's a close game because, quite honestly, the Colts. I mean, they've had a few moments where they've blown a team out like the Steelers, or they've been blown out. But I think this comes down to rivalry game. You know, all the marbles. Both teams going neck and neck. Both teams being pretty even talent-wise as well. And then the Colts getting that edge 
at home on the foot or the leg of Matt Gay. Uh, and think about this as well. Uh, you know, we've talked about this with the Colts. You know, if if you would have taken a care of business, I mean, you saw you laid an egg against Atlanta. Then what did Atlanta do this past weekend? They laid an egg yeah. and they lost by twenty. And and Heineke threw th- three interceptions and zero touchdowns. It was like okay, so it happened to them. Uh, the Texans walk in and needs like we need to remember these things. The Texans have lost to the Jets this season. <laughs> <laughs> we forget about that. Or you remember, I mean, Buffalo did the same thing. Buffalo lost to who? The Jets and, oh, they have another terrible loss on, on their resume. So it's not, I guess my point is, it's not, you can't say, well, what if? And it can't just be your team. Yeah, the Bills lost to the, the Jets and the Broncos and the New England Patriots. They got three bad losses this season. Again, I don't feel bad. If Buffalo doesn't get in, I ain't going to whine for Buffalo. You can't. You don't lose those three games. Plus, let's be honest. Aaron Rodgers went out in game one. Play one. What was it? Was, was that, was that what was play the se- Fourth play? Third play? Third play yeah. yeah. Of the season. So it's not like you had him for a half. It's not like, you know, Anthony Richardson's left games in the first matchup with the Texans. He played a lot of the first half. It was dynamic. Scored two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, scored two touchdowns. It was dynamic. I I may have had the over-under uh, for some Anthony Richardson's in that game, if, if I'm not mistaken. So I was ready to smash the over on my I'm story sure you about how he had I'm arrived, sure. but... Do you think, uh, the final couple minutes here, this is a bigger picture that I think we may talk about. If if the Colts, and there is a line, I want to be clear, making the playoffs and losing in the playoffs is better than not making the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Uh, okay, like yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. So, but if they lose in a close game on Saturday or maybe they go on the road and, and they really get taken down early on in the playoffs and I don't know, maybe the Pacers are a six-ish seed. So not, not not like a top five. I wonder who do who we think has more momentum going in to the next year. Because think about this. Pacers will have some money and everyone thinks they're going to trade. Colts are going to have some money. We haven't seen their star quarterback play yet. I mean, we haven't seen Anthony Richardson play. Something to you. think about. Might be a I, column I, I idea probably, for you. I probably lean more towards the Colts initially right yeah, now. Yeah, I'd agree. Just because of the gravity of football and how NFL. finicky it can be. If you can get some sustained excellence in football, that's a big, big deal. Basketball's a little bit different. You can kind of bank on, like Tyrese Halliburton's playing at a superstar level. Yeah. More he teams make to the do playoffs. That. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking football. Uh, quickly here in 15 seconds or so, what do you have popping? What do the people need to be looking for on the athletic? I'll be talking about Zaire Franklin and this new defense or revamped defense of which feels like they have a chance to do something special. Yeah, they do. Now, I mean, Franklin's been good. Uh, EJ Speed has been good. I, I, listen, I know he's been making some. He's had some issues, but you know, EJ Speed went from a guy who was a backup. Shaq Leonard leaves. Uh, what's he done in Philly? I don't know. I mean, Philly is in the midst of of tanking their season, uh, and Speed's been pretty good. So KB back at it tomorrow again. Podcast up at one hundred seven five thefan dot com. Uh, Query and company coming up at noon. JMV at three. Have a good day.